1: and the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on all the cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-hosts Uh, All quarantined to our houses, uh, but here with me um, virtually, uh, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys? What's up, Um, guys? We're broadcasting from our back to tanks right now. (laughs) But, but, yeah. yeah, While the whole galaxy is trying not to catch the blue shadow virus. (laughs) Oh, wow. What are
2: the – I don't know how you would describe that – two episode arc from season one not the worst but also kind of one of the weird ones (laughs) from season one that you didn't see again (laughs) in later seasons but uh, no, yeah doing good i know things are a little crazy out there right now but the one positive and constant we always have is star wars so looking forward to talking star wars with both of you guys as always so looking forward to this episode
0: yeah, yeah. This was a this is an episode I I've wanted to do since uh, the announcement of our of our main topic. But uh, yeah, it's been kind of strange the last couple of weeks, obviously, or the last yeah a couple of weeks. And it's, I'm hoping everyone is staying safe and healthy, and and hopefully not just that, but also financially healthy. I know a lot of people might be out of work, and it's kind of stressful times. And hopefully everything everything will go back to normal here very very shortly. Hopefully, and so. Otherwise, we'll hopefully we'll have some good conversations and entertain you guys, and you know, and try to get you through those kind of crazy times we live in right now.
1: Yeah, definitely. I will say, you know, obviously our last episode was our uh, our Galaxy's Edge recap, and I'm so glad that we got to go to that when we did, because um, nope. obviously, yeah, yeah, obviously now Disneyland's closed, and you know, just about everywhere else where there's big crowds or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, like you said, uh. You know, always trying to stay positive and keep excited about Star Wars. And, uh, you know, we've got at least some stuff to to talk about and keep us busy. So, um, well, actually, on that vein, the first thing that we're going to talk about is just uh, the fact that The Rise of Skywalker is out on digital now. Um, by this point, I mean, we're recording this. It's March 19th. It would have been out for everybody now anyways because um, it was supposed to come out on March 17th. But they released it early. Um, as a lot of movies and stuff now are being released on digital early. So people have, uh, you know, things to, to experience and to keep them entertained while we're all stuck at home, um, and can't go out to the movies and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was nice of them to drop that a few days early and surprise everybody. Um, and of course, you know, when you get that on the digital platforms, it's got all the the bonus features and stuff on there. Um, and then, of course, the Blu-ray release is still coming at the end of this month on March 31st, along with the Rise of Skywalker art book. And then the novel is out now, too. Um, I'm still waiting for my copy from Amazon. Tim, I know you said you had uh, started reading it a little bit already. What do you think of it so far?
2: Yeah, so far, I'm just one chapter into it, but it's already doing what I hope the novelizations for the star wars movies does just expand on the cool stuff we get in the movies and the first chapter does exactly that um it starts off differently than the movie does not an entirely new scene but things play out in different sequences and but it dives into one of the cooler aspects of the rise of skywalker that um we learned in the movie and i don't want to go into spoilers about it just yet since i know it just came out and you haven't got yours kyle and i'm sure a lot of Other fans haven't finished reading it yet, but I thought that first chapter set the tone pretty nicely of what I can expect from the novelization, just getting more meat into the story and more stuff getting expanded on with the characters and different situations and scenarios. So, so far, so good. I can't wait to really dive into it and get and read more of it. At the same time, uh, it's going to be a nice kind of spot to where I'm tempted... Uh, when you mentioned the rise of skywalker being released early man i was so tempted to buy it just because you know it's out earlier than expected it's the weekend you can watch Rise of skywalker and the special features that weekend but always holding off for that blu-ray release just because you know it comes with the digital codes so it, w- it would be a big double yeah. dip and i've been yeah. known to double dip on star wars a lot of times but um <laughs> when and i get multiple copies of the blu-ray is <laughs> already so uh just to, if it didn't come with the digital code i have Buy it in an instant like that. But I'm holding off, but the novel is definitely going to be a nice fill in between mm-hmm. now and to when the Blu ray comes out. And part of me doesn't want to read the novel super fast because I think we talked about this on one of our recent episodes. Uh, maybe it was off air but I remember we were talking how it's sometimes fun when you're reading the novelization and you do have the movie that you could go back and watch something you just read and see how it plays out in the movie. I did that with The Last Jedi where I was reading a certain point in the novel. Um, but then I go watch the scene play out in the movie. I do like doing that. So part of me doesn't want to finish it until like the Rise of Skywalker Blu-ray comes out so I can do that. But at the same time too, it's not a very long book. So if I read it at a pretty steady pace, I might finish it probably before the movie comes out. But regardless, it should be something that, you know, Rise of Skywalker is going to be st- content I'm still going to be consuming on different levels, whether it's the novel or watching the Blu-ray and the special features in the coming weeks. So I'm uh, definitely excited about that. So yeah, glad to have the novel and just cannot wait to get my hands on the Blu-ray because I'm hearing some great stuff, not only about how the movie looks in 4k, but also the special features and the documentary that's on there. So I really cannot wait to see all that stuff.
0: I, uh, I I did double dip and I have pre-ordered the, I've, I've had the steelbook from best buy and the 4k nine film box set all pre-ordered back i think the the next day or the day it officially came out the the movie was officially yeah. released in theaters
2: this is because... the first time i did that just for the movie not the nine movie box set but for the ride of skywalker because every time i've seen you and other people pre-order it the weekend the movie comes out you usually get the movie a few days early and i'm hoping but usually yeah so.
0: Best Buy is usually pretty good. I'm with with today's kind of craziness. I'm not sure how that's going to work, but
2: yeah, it's definitely true.
0: Yeah, so so I I pre ordered that asap because I remember it was the the next morning. I had seen I was with my buddy Chris. We had seen the movie bright and early uh, the day the Friday it came out, and I was online. Uh, we we're talking, and I saw people say, "Oh, the there's a nine four K box that's on. You can pre order it right now." I was like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" So I just I just went in and just pre ordered that right away, just in case. And so yeah, so I double dipped. I couldn't help it. I I was I told myself I will, but nope, I did. So I might even have some extra codes that I may be giving out for fun uh, in a couple of weeks. So we'll see. I'm not sure if the uh, if the box set does in fact, have individual films, like I think it will, I'll definitely have a Last Jedi and a uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker uh, 4K uh, codes to give away. And so I might have two Rise of Skywalker 4- 4K codes and a Last Jedi code. So I haven't decided what I'm going to do with those yet, but I think I'm going to, I want to give them out, I think, to, to, to listeners and, and, and uh, fellow uh, Star Wars fans. So I maybe check out my Twitter for that. In the next couple weeks, but yeah, I I picked it up and uh, I started watching some of the special features, but I think I'm going to save those for later. But I have to say, just really quick, I've seen the movie uh, only once, um, all the way. Or I kind of it was in parts because I fell asleep. I was really tired the the (laughs) Friday night. I was really tired. I go to bed early now. I'm an old man. Um, But I will say, the transfer is beautiful and i think if you're a 4k person or if you're kind of a you love video quality and things like that i'm i'm going to tell you right now that if you like film grain cuz the i'm not sure about the last jedi but i do know that uh at least the force awakens was definitely shot on an actual film mm-hmm. and so was rise of skywalker i'm not sure about the last jedi and honestly i would not shock me if it wasn't and again i think last jedi looked from a film perspective beautiful so I don't want to I'm not trying to dog the last Jedi but there's a real authentic look to the rise of Skywalker and you see it and it, it looks phenomenal I, I it, the aesthetic just really really like pops and I, and I think it visually it was even better than I was anticipating because I thought the movie looked great obviously in the theater but man it looks just it pops in 4k or in uhd if you will on the uh, on the tv here so yeah i thought it was a beautiful transfer and i can't wait to get it even better um it's i wouldn't say even better because the physical disc will be pretty close it'll it'll be a little bit better obviously than the uh the the stream screen but uh but yeah i i cannot wait to actually sit down with a physical thing and put it in and see how beautiful that thing looks because it looked gorgeous in just in the streaming. So, and again, I thought the last Jedi looked great too, but this, I think the difference, I would say this right now, if you're wondering, I think last Jedi looked very modern, like very, very high tech and pristine. Whereas the, with, when you when you do things with film or with anything with analog you're gonna get a, a certain quality with that and then there's a there's a certain like kind of texture whether you're doing sound or whether you're doing film and, and, and I'm a more of an audio guy from at least with my experience with that stuff Kyle you're more of a, you're, obviously you have way more experience in video but it, it, in the end it's all the same you get a there's a certain thing with analog than you're gonna get over digital it's just a reality and, and people like the the aesthetic you get with analog whether it be sound or whether it be with film, uh, you know, actual video. And you ca- you kind of see what JJ's going for with that idea in The Rise of Skywalker when you compare it to the Last Jedi. And I again it's I like both equally to be honest. I think they both look beautiful, but I definitely appreciate and respect the fact that JJ gave us something way a little more gritty i would say you get to see the film grain even more so on this and that actually makes you uh really excited to, for the force awakens 4k we're going to get in a couple weeks too with the nine nine film box set because i haven't seen i think i've seen the uh 4k a little bit from uh disney plus or the uh the, the 4k quality transfer it It didn't seem as grainy as this Rise of Skywalker, so I'm wondering if this is gonna the the Force Awakens uh, 4K transfer on disc will be a little more grainy from that. I don't I don't know, but yeah, I was really impressed with this transfer, and I think if you love film quality, if you love film uh, picture quality, I think you're gonna be very happy with this uh, with this uh, transfer.
1: Yeah, well, um, I mean, obviously we'll we'll talk about that a lot more probably on our next episode or, or one of our next couple episodes. I mean, I unfortunately I'm not assuming we're gonna get uh, you know, a whole lot of big Star Wars news or announcements or anything coming here real soon. So I'm assuming our next episodes probably will just be talking about um the Blu-ray and everything after this is all out. Um but uh yeah, so I mean obviously we'll wait till till everybody's got it on Blu-ray and and all that kind of stuff. But then we'll we'll do an episode breaking down the the movie and the special features and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then also, of course, we'll do a commentary of it. Um, who knows what the situation will be like at, at that point, um, if we'll all still be stuck at home. But, you know, that'll be a, a fun, uh, you know, way to pass the time doing commentaries. I've seen some other people, you know, going and doing uh, Star Wars commentary podcasts and stuff already in the past couple of days. So... Definitely looking forward to doing that Rise of Skywalker commentary with you guys. Um, Oh, yes. But uh, let's move on and talk about um, the one big news item from recently that we still haven't talked about yet. And that is the announcement of uh, Star Wars The High Republic, um, which was, of course, the big secret of Project Luminous that we've been hearing about for a while um, and they finally blew the lid off of that and gave us all the details and everything. Um, so, this is going to be a big new uh, sort of cross platform um, publishing initiative. So, it's going to be, uh, it, like I said, it's pretty much just publishing stuff. So, it's uh, adult novels, young adult novels, comics, uh, you know, young reader books, all that kind of stuff. Um, There had been rumors that there would be like a tie-in movie or a tie-in video game or whatever but there's no word about that at least at this point Um, but something new and exciting for them to do with the books and the comics and rather than try to do stuff like in between the movies or whatever they're kind of carving out their own niche and telling this uh, brand new series of stories this is set I, I think initially the rumors were that it was going to be like a few hundred years before The Phantom Menace, but I think now it's confirmed it's just like 200 years, right? Yeah. Um, I think I remember hearing 400 for the rumors. And yeah, that's what... 200 is what it was. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the press release right now. It says about 200 years before the events of The Phantom Menace. But uh, basically, you know, this is the golden age of the Republic, the golden age of the Jedi. Um, they put out kind of a little, not quite trailer, but like announcement video Uh, along with this, and there's, you know, different authors and people in the Lucasfilm story group and stuff just talking about what this is going to be, and they describe kind of a different feel to it, and they describe the Jedi as, like, the knights of the round table, Um, you know, again, where they're, uh, it's obviously there's less stuff about the Republic falling apart, and it's not all at war and stuff, but we're getting to see them um, sort of at their height as... Uh, peacekeepers and, um, you know, those guardians of peace and justice that Obi-Wan described in A New Hope. Um, and, of course, because it's Star Wars, you still got to have action and adventure and stuff. But, um, again, it's not a galaxy at war and there's no Sith Lords or anything like that. Uh, but they talked about how the uh, the danger comes from the edges of the galaxy because, uh, at this point, the Republic maybe hasn't extended its reach quite as far as what we see in the prequels. Um and so, like the edges of the Gal- or the the edges of the Republic, and you know the outer rim and wild space and all that, um, is kind of the dangerous part where you know threats are looming and stuff. And the Jedi kind of patrol that region and protect the Republic from any unknown dangers. And there's going to be this group called the Nile, which are they describe them as like space Vikings? They're going to be kind of the main villains of the series. Um, and then of course there's uh to kick it all off they said there's this event called the great disaster um we don't know exactly what that is but i think it has something to do with a space station that we keep seeing in some of this concept art and stuff that maybe is going to get destroyed or taken over or whatever um but this is going to be a big event that sends ripples throughout the galaxy so i think this is going to be kind of a starting point of all these different stories and whether it's uh you know a novel or or comic or whatever we'll probably see either that event or ripples of that event, uh, you know, being experienced by different characters and that being a kind of jumping off point. They also described that there would be kind of a central group of characters that would continue to grow and evolve over time. So there might be certain characters that cross over between different mediums um, or characters, you know, from different books or comics or whatever whose stories interconnect or who are, you know, involved in some of the same events or whatever. but I think this sounds really cool. Um, I'm, you know, excited to just get... Like, I, I think one thing that we've been lacking with the sequel trilogy, and, and this is not necessarily a criticism, just something that I would like to see more of, is more Jedi stories. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us assumed that the sequel trilogy was going to start with, like, Luke Skywalker training a new generation of Jedi, and that was already kind of written into the backstory as something that had already kind of come and gone. Um and Ray is really the only like Jedi in those movies. Um, and for those of us that like the prequels and like seeing, you know, the Jedi Order and the Jedi Council and stuff, it'll be cool to see um, some more stories with that in a new era and get introduced to new characters and stuff. I already have a new favorite, which is uh, Burriaga, who's the Wookiee Jedi uh, <laughs> on the cover of uh, Charles Soule's novel um, *Light of the Jedi*, which is I think this comes out in August. This is the first novel that's coming out as part of this. And he has a crossguard um, lightsaber too. Yes. Well, not like a Kylo Ren crossguard lightsaber either, like just a he's got like a regular like sword guard on his lightsaber hilt. So that looks pretty cool. Um and that's another thing that is kind of cool about this too is like you can tell like it, it, obviously these look like the Jedi that we we're, we're used to seeing um in terms of the robes and the lightsabers and stuff, but it does also have, you know, they they've got some different touches whether it's in the the outfits or the the lightsaber hits or whatever Mm -hmm. um there's there's some new touches on things here that um are pretty exciting to see so um but yeah so this is all going to kick off in august with light of the jedi by charles sewell is the first novel that's coming out um and i think they've announced like five titles right now and like i said they range from adult novels to young adult young reader to to kids books to comics Um, but they also made it sound like this is the thing that could continue on for years. And so I'm sure they've probably have ideas for more things in the works that have not been announced yet. That could be coming, uh, next year or even following that. But, um, yeah, I'm excited. And you guys know me, like I don't, uh, you know, tend to get, I don't tend to get super excited (laughs) about the publishing stuff. You know, I'll read something every once in a while that really catches my attention. I did read a recent comic series that we're going to talk about later in the episode. Um, but well, I I'm, that uh, I'm planning on getting well, and also I like I said I ordered the uh, the Rise of Skywalker novel, and I'm definitely going to read that. Um, of course, I said the same thing about Resistance Reborn, and I got like a quarter of the way through that and haven't finished it yet. But well, it's not really good. That's why. Hoping I'm going to uh, I'm I'm planning on finishing the Rise of Skywalker novel. Let's put it that way. But I'm also planning on reading Light of the Jedi, and uh, at least seeing what they do with. The High Republic. I can't promise I'm going to read everything because, you know, it's me. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to at least check out that first novel and see where things go from there. Uh, But what do you guys think about all this? All right. So, Tim, I I have to take over first.
0: I apologize. Uh, Go for it. So I I think this is a big, big thing because on a number of different levels. And I was really excited to talk about it with you guys about this and and specifically Tim because – he reads, but uh, no, that was a cheap shot at Kyle. Kyle, you know, I love you. No, the reason why I was excited to talk about with Kyle or with Kyle and Tim, but with Tim is to kind of help kind of Kyle kind of, kind of see where we're coming from, from it is we come from the comic book world and the comic book world is very, is, is a lot more in, in the continuity is a lo- little more, a little tighter in a sense to where, when they have crossovers and when something happens in one and it really affects the other. And we grew up on that. And Star Wars fans wanted everything to be a canon growing, you know, growing up or the people who read all the books and the comics and the books and the comics tried to do that with the expanding universe. And, and obviously George didn't care and cherry picked different things and it just was a mess. And now with all that said when they made everything canon going forward, we expected, at least I did, and I don't want to speak for you, Tim, but I think we all kind of had the same idea, is that everything is going to kind of lead into each other. And that means different, the different mediums. And now- That's
2: what got us so excited.
0: <laughs> exactly. And I think what's what's funny is that we got so excited about it we didn't really think about the ramifications of that and what exactly that would mean for people who have no idea what that means one and meaning the people who are running the company and i don't mean that to be like to to be uh, salty or, or or mean but i just don't think they really truly understood exactly what that what we kind of expect from that or the mass audience or the mass hardcore audience kind of thought of that and also letting people kind of do what they want in the film side and having so much control. The reason we didn't get so much tie in stuff with the sequel trilogy was a lot of it was be again, because they were making it up as they went along and they wanted to keep as much secrets as possible. And to be honest, I think that backfired a little bit and I think it really hurt. I think the publications, because in my opinion, and this is only my opinion, I think the publications for the most part, haven't been that great. And I thought leading into the sequel trilogy, like when, when they first made everything canon, you had Lords of the Sith and a bunch of other books, they were a lot better than what we ended up, we ended up getting, to be honest, in my opinion, it's just my opinion. Now there's been some good stuff here or there, but it's never been, a, it's not been as cohesive and as, as, um, as as I think we all would want. And I think we all can agree on that. Correct.
2: Yeah, yeah, I would say you're right about that
0: as far, as far as the books and the comics, I feel, have been a little bit more a little bit more eye opening. And I'm not sure if it's because of the, the medium itself is is you're able to kind of plan a little bit, uh, you can kind of plan around things a little bit differently, and adjust on the fly the way the comics are made, whereas novels you are kind of you're constantly churning out drafts and things like that whereas with comics you're you get a script get an outline you can change that pretty quick you know what i mean so i feel that you you can't you had you could start later and you can alter your plan pretty you know easily so with all that being said i think the fact that sequel trilogy wasn't as being as planned out as we all expected it and it changing on the fly as we all know and it just, we just didn't get as many good time material. And I think that material that was tying into it just couldn't really deep dive deep enough into it. Now, now with what we have there, we're getting something that I think we've always wanted. We're getting something that is truly going to lead into one bigger overarching story that is not just told in one medium, but multiple mediums. And It very and I've said this before, and and I know other people have too. This is very much like Shadows of the Empire back in the mid '90s, when it was very much a, it's everything Mm -hmm. but the movie. It's the I think we're going to get a soundtrack. I think we're eventually going to get a video game. It may not be right away, but I think very much everything is going to be built around the High Republic in this era, and this is where I'm really excited to talk about it. Is that I think I'm excited about the stories about this about this. And we can get into that a little bit later. But for me, and I hate to say this, I'm even more excited about the implications of what this could do and what this could mean for Star Wars going forward, because I've said before, like the Mandalorian in TV, like I knew that was a big deal for for Star Wars, because if this was hugely successful, like in which it has been, obviously, we're going to see a huge shift in Star Wars of focusing on TV and look what's happened. It's a huge hit and we're getting a huge focus on TV. And that's not coincidence. That's, you know, reality. So here's the thing, guys, and listeners. If The High Republic, and I'm hoping, knocking on wood, that it is. It's a huge success. Because if it's a huge success, we are basically telling Lucasfilm, we want more integrated stories that are weaving in and out of different mediums and we want we want them to be cohesive and we want them to be all kind of, you know, telling a, a grander story. And we don't care if we have to get a comic, we have to get a novel, or if we can just cherry pick where we want to go. If they can successfully do that, like the comic books usually have done for the most part, I would say they go to the well a lot and way too many times, as Tim would probably admit, for events. See oh. Civil War II. uh uh, sin, original sin, all, all. Of, there's, 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 infinity crusade.
2: There's a lot. Another there's a lot DC universe bad. reboot. <laughs>
0: yeah, multi. Yeah, another, <laughs> another crisis. crisis. Yeah. But but the reason why they go and do that is because when they've been successful, they've been huge. I mean, they've been a huge financial thing and uh, financial success. But the fans love it because it's mostly pretty solid or good. I think if if the high republic and 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 now also. Remember, this is only phase one. They kind of made a joke about it oh, saying, right. you know, there's there's an article by Dan Brooks. And I, uh, I don't want to plug my buddy Dan because Dan's ridiculous. But uh, <laughs> but honestly, there's, there's a great article that he interviews all those writers and the head guy from publishing about this uh, High Republic. And it doesn't get enough praise because it gives you probably twice as much information that you never are realizing you need. And, and one of the things they talk about is that this is very much a phase one, and this is only the first part and the Nile the Nile, or whatever they're called, the main bad guys of this, of this uh, original phase fa- or this new phase, you know, that's the thing. They're only the, the first phase. There's other things they're going to be building towards. So I think as we see, if you look in that video that we, they posted, there's lots of weird monsters and almost like. I would say force using creatures, which we can get into specula- speculation later, but this is only phase one and there's going to be multiple phases. And I think there's there's probably at least two or three phases they've already got planned out. But my thing is this, people, if you truly want Lucasfilm to, I mean... If you want Lucasfilm to really have more cohesion with their stories and you want to see films in the High Republic era or have films and TV and comics truly be integrated and have them all be a unified thing, as you know, as which I think they're is closer, they're closer now than they were obviously in the EU era, but they're still not that close. If you truly want them to do that, you gotta honestly pony up and you gotta support the High Republic. Because if you want more unification in your stories, you gotta you gotta purchase this stuff and not just a cherry pick the things you want. You're gonna have to make some sacrifices and pick up some of these comics, some of these other young adult novels. I get it all, so I do it every. You know, I'm assuming a lot of us do that already. But if if you're kind of on the fence on things, you're kind of, eh, you know, if it's good, get everything because I'm even if you're not really a big comic fan or a big novel fan, support this stuff because if you want a unified truly a unified story going forward this is it man this is it and i think that to me i i really want that to be six i really want this to be success successful because i want to see a you know because look at the mandalorian right mandalorian came out there's no comics there's no books and that's unfortunate because there's so many great characters from the mandalorian besides the mandalorian Who's again, I would love to have comics about him, obviously, or novels or whatever. But Cara Dune, um, uh, I mean, how many the list goes on and on about what they could do with all these different characters. And again, if they weren't just kind of flying by the seat of their pants and they actually had a cohesive plan kind of going forward overall, we might have gotten that. And I think the High Republic is a really great way to show Lucasfilm and Disney that we want a cohesion when they roll out something like the Mandalorian or let's say a Kenobi TV series, give us a tie in material that's actually juicy and and really going to tell us a part of the story. Does it have to be crucial to to know what's going on? But you know, I look back on and I think this is a great example is Catalyst for Rogue One. That book came out what, right before Rogue One and I, I read it. And it's not the best book in the world, but you know what? I really enjoyed it. And it gave me a lot of uh, context for before I watched Rogue One. And I yes. was like, yeah, this makes a lot more sense. And
2: but even a do- little sequence where Jin's having that dream where you see her as a little kid and you see Krennic and her father yes. in their apartment. Yes. You know exactly what's going on because there's like whole chapters about stuff like that in the book, exactly. which is
0: great. But did you but did you need that to watch the movie? No, you don't. And that's the problem is that the sequel trilogy was so, so secretive. It was a detriment that people like us couldn't invest in the characters enough before the movie came out, you know, because again, I look at like Phasma, the Phasma novel before The Last Jedi. I, I was a big fan of that book. I so love that. And I know you
2: love it, but, <laughs> yeah, I but
0: <laughs> right, right. But, but the thing is, you didn't need to read that to go into The Last Jedi, right? You didn't
2: know, not at
0: all. You know, you, you could have put that book before the force awakens and it wouldn't have changed a lick of anything. And that's my point is that you need to really embrace the, the mediums of these things and really, and not just kind of go, well, oh, we don't want to spoil this. And, and this character is this, and, and you got to get away from that. And I'm hoping the high Republic is successful enough to where they go, you know what? Fans love this stuff. We should look into developing a movie or a, a Disney Plus movie or a Disney Plus show or whatever an animated show. I don't care, but give me something that can we can really entrench ourselves into. And we already know. I mean, there's I'll, I'll kind of stop talking and let Tim go here uh, and you, Kyle. But because there's, there's plenty more to talk about, obviously. But I just had to get that off my chest right away because this is if you want more stuff like this that's really cohesive and not just here's a. Here's a movie that we're not going to give uh, anyone any uh, any real secrets about, and up until like maybe six months before, so like Re- Re- Resistance book or whatever that we all pretty much stopped reading because it wasn't very good because it's again it's just not juicy immediate enough. So um, yeah, I I just uh, I'll leave it at that for right now. I'm really
1: excited. Support this, um, Tim. Go ahead. Tim, I'll let you go in a sec, but I just wanted to jump in and, and reply to something Paul said real quick. Um, as, as far as, you know, you're talking about supporting this so that they can do more stuff with it and possibly getting even a, a tie-in movie and stuff like that. I, I mean, I agree with you that I hope this does well, and I hope people support it, and I hope they continue to grow and expand it. But I don't want the movies—personally, I don't want the movies anywhere near this because— I think, you know, just like you're talking about how a lot of the books that have tied into the movies or been about side characters from the movies and stuff haven't necessarily been, uh, the, they, they haven't been must reads or they haven't like grabbed a lot of attention or or been super exciting. And you're talking about that's because they didn't want to leak spoilers and whatever, which I'm sure is part of it. But I think it's also because the, the people writing the books have had to kind of steer clear of the people making the movies, because if you got you know a, a writer who's working closely with the story group, you know, a say you know Charles Soule or, or whoever's writing these novels, if they're writing a book about Ray or or Poe or Finn or or Ben Solo or whatever, and they decide to do something in the book. You know, who wants to be the person that then has to go to J.J. Abrams and say like, oh, sorry, you can't do this in the movie because somebody wrote right. a novel that we just pushed out that says something different. So you got to change to fit that. And obviously, especially when when they don't have a plan overall for the trilogy, when you're bringing in high caliber filmmakers one movie at a time and saying, hey, show us your vision for Star Wars and just kind of letting them have free reign, which is a whole nother tangent I could go on about. And you know that's my main issue <laughs> with the sequel trilogy. But right. when you're doing that and you don't have an overall planned out storyline that you can easily fit side stories and stuff into, like, of course, these writers are probably just diving out of the way left and right um of of the people making the movies and just don't want to interfere with that. And so I don't want them to uh you know like if the high republic does well let's say you know these novels mm-hmm. are really great and the comics and everything they're knocking it out of the park we love the stories we love the characters we want to see more of it let that just be a publishing thing like maybe once it's entrenched or you know it's gone on for a while maybe we could get like a one-off spin-off movie in that universe or something but i don't want them to be like
0: yeah oh
1: look the high republic is doing well so let's have the next trilogy be set in that era and i think that would just collapse it like Right. That's the same that's the exact same reason why they made the EU non-canon when Disney took over and made it all legends is because they didn't want to restrict the filmmakers making the movies mm. because that's the golden goose, right? Like as much as right. we get you know the you could make excellent Star Wars novels and video games and comics till the end of time, it's still first and foremost going to be a film franchise. Um so they had to, you know, wipe that slate clean to give the filmmakers a clean slate to work <clears> with so <throat> I don't want them to then Come in and, and build movies on top of this and be restricted by what's come before. Um I would love to see the filmmakers do a similar thing. Find another new area in the timeline. Right. Carve out a niche. Create a whole new trilogy or series of movies or whatever that we can all love. Um But yeah, if, if The High Republic does well, and I hope it does, I hope this is just this is the main area that they focus on for star Wars books and comics for the, for the foreseeable future. And that, you know, they just let that continue to grow and thrive and be its own thing. So, and Tim, thank you for letting me uh, kind of respond to Kyle here. I think one of the of biggest things
0: I, I didn't um explain very well, and maybe, may maybe I'm, I didn't, you're still the screen, but I think what I'm trying to explain is how, when, when not just kind of, oh, wait, this is really successful, why don't you join in films? It's more of, I, I think it's not, I'm not thinking of it just like the High Republic itself. I'm thinking from a grand anything going forward afterwards, including the High Republic in phase two, I'd say, but this in general, what I'm trying to say is if you want cohesion amongst all the mediums, then you want to support this because they'll see this and go, man, people, the fans really responded to this really cohesive, tight knit story that maybe when we do the next one, we should have film people involved. So we can develop it with a Claudia Gray, a Charles soul. And let's say a, throw in whatever director writer you want that you include that, that has ideas. You all like, cause remember they all sat down and developed all these ideas together. And maybe I need to explain that a little better. Cause in that article and in the video, they explained that they had, there was a rough outline that this guy had, And he brought everyone together and they all developed the ideas as a think tank together with a story group, with all the writers, and they developed everything. And there's a cohesive plan. It's exactly what we all wanted. The only Mm -hmm. thing missing in this original phase are films and TV or animation, as far as we know. So my point is, I think if we support this, it shows – Disney and Lucasfilm, man, this think tank idea that we just did on a very small scale for publishing was a huge success. And they all want, they all love this. And it's look, it was all planned out with the story group with a bunch of talented writers and they go, wow, we should maybe do that again. But this time it's include some, like some up and coming people that are writing that are writers for you know TV and for directors and have someone again, maybe not head of publishing, but maybe head of Star Wars or something like that or whatever you wanna do, they then can all, they have a think tank like they are and they develop this era or this or, or whatever set of, of things they wanna, they wanna focus on and do that. And I think that to me is what I'm trying to sell more than anything or trying to explain because I think that's what Star Wars needs to be. I think Star Wars can always have offshoot things. I'm not saying it has to be only that. But I think if, as far as a mass marketing thing, you want to develop it just like that with multiple writers that have almost equal say, and they all develop their stories individually, you could say what's you could say the films are the hierarchy, and that's the thing that will you know offset everything or not. I don't know. I think it'd be kind of cool if they just kind of all sat down, developed it, and the film was the film on its own. It's like the you know because all these bu- all these books and comics in the article that I've told everyone to read and I'm, I'm being serious people. I'm not just doing this because for promotion or whatever, I'm, I'm being serious. This article is great because they explain that these books aren't just going to be, um, you know, we interwoven together that you're going to have to read the novel to get the comic or whatever. No, 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 no. It's very much they're, they're in their own world, but they're telling a greater story. And that's the thing with, you, you got to understand it in a, in a comic book crossover you don't always necessarily uh, need to read the the giant crossover to to enjoy your main title so for, for instance i'm a giant spider-man fan i didn't necessarily need to read uh Civil War to enjoy, or or other stories that that tie into that may overarching story to really go. Oh, I Original Sin is a great, a better example because I didn't I didn't buy any of those single issues. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, just bear with me. But Original Sin is a separate series that was going on that involved Spider-Man. It affected his world, and in the single issues that are the time, the main title that I purchased and read it was there was something that happened but it wasn't enough to where it affected my book enough where i had to read i felt obligated to read it and i was just fine reading my book and how that affected his world and whatever it very it very much is what's that's what's going to happen in the high republic things are going to happen that will will definitely affect certain things in, in the books or or whatever but it's not beholden or d- to directly tied into where you have to absolutely read but you get a better grand idea of the story going forward
1: and right. i think- which is which is essential because you know, right. you're, you're going to alienate a lot of people if a casual fan picks up a novel and goes, oh, cool, a new Star Wars book. Let me check it out. And they're completely lost because they haven't read two young reader novels and three comic series. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, it's smart of them to to keep these characters and these stories somewhat self-contained so that you can enjoy them individually. But then obviously for the more hardcore fans that want to. Get really into it and enjoy all the right. stories. You'll enjoy the connectivity of it and the way that these all kind of build a larger story, like you're talking about.
0: Yeah, and, and again, I'll end and let Tim. I'm so sorry and thank you so much for letting me. I, like I said, I have a lot. I have a lot to go on with about this. So uh, I know you've been able
1: uh, to talk about
2: it. So yeah, <laughs> go
0: for no, it. I appreciate it. So in, in closing, I'm just trying to say that I think if you want film and animation and you want. Uh, live action to be more tied into this stuff. I think we have to support what's what's what they're trying to do right now. And I think if they see that, man, this tight, tighter knit kind of story, and everyone kind of contributing and developing a story together and bringing it up together, I think is is, is the way to go for 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 a good portion of Star Wars storytelling, not all Star Wars storytelling. Because I think you still need to have people have freedom to have great ideas for, hey, this random person has a great idea for a comic or a book or a movie or a TV show or animated show, whatever. And if it's good enough to sell and put out there, then do it. But I think if you're looking to develop and keep Star Wars fresh and keep ideas pumping, I think having a think tank idea where everything is collecting in together is the right way. And I think if if the High Republic is successful, I think whether you want a High Republic... uh, high republic say that 10 times fast high republic movie um or whatever if you want more cohesive stories like this in general then this is you gotta support this that's just what that's just my thing but i, I hope that answers my your question or it kind of you makes you understand a little bit where i'm coming from kyle
1: yeah no and and i think i understood where you were coming from to begin with i have a couple more things i want to Respond to on that, but I'll put a pin in it for a sec. Uh, so we'll let Tim get a word in edgewise here So Tim your thoughts overall on the High Republic
2: Yeah, there's a lot to be excited about with this and after reading the announcement watching the videos I Couldn't wait to read that first novel by Charles Soule the premise of this sounds really really cool and just the production going into it like you mentioned the whole writers room, but then also in that video, how they're bringing in concept artists like Doug Chang and Ian McKay guys who worked on the movies to do concept art and design some of these characters. I mean, that's huge. And this goes into, I wouldn't necessarily call it a disappointment, but something I'm curious about what this means for possible future films down the line, because I as I was watching that video, I kind of got the feel like this was teasing what the next series of movies is going to be because of the passion that's involved with the, the creative forces and people that are involved with this project. It was really gearing up to telling you what the next series of movies was going to be. And if this was what the next series of movies was going to be, man, my excitement would be through the roof because all this stuff sounds and looks really cool. I love the fact that the look of so far that we're getting of this era of the Republic and the Jedi and different characters and aliens we're seeing in the artwork and in the concept art. I just love it because It's 200 years before The Phantom Menace, and things cannot look the same. And I've said this before, but I think it bears repeating right now. One of my biggest gripes with the Old Republic, the games, is just how a lot of the stuff just looks taken straight out from the prequel trilogy. The Republic's troopers look like clone troopers, and bounty hunters looking like Cad Bane, and ships looking like Star Destroyer. And that's 3,000 years, or give or take, before the movies. And this sounds like there was no watch evolution. What
1: you, watch what you say about my old republic, Tim. I know I'm treading <laughs> lightly here. <but laughs> no, no, I yeah, no, no no no, and I agree with you to an extent, especially with the old republic MMO game.
2: Yes. But with this, I think this is exactly what older era Jedi and just how the Republic looks in general should be. I just love how you mentioned this earlier, Kyle, talking about the cover for um, Light of the Jedi. Just the how the Jedi look. And their uniforms, they look like Jedi, but yet you can tell they're from a different era. They're not just wearing the brown robes or the dark colored robes. They have their look. It feels like Jedi, but it's something totally unique and different for that era, and I love that. And just the bad guys you were mentioning too, the Nile, I love their look too and the description of them as being space Vikings. They kind of have this almost sort of steampunk look to some of their masks and helmets that they're wearing. Again, something different. They don't just look like any old pirates that we're used to seeing, whether it's in Clone Wars or other comics and in the movies, they have their own unique look to them, which I think is important when you're telling stories hundreds of years before the movies. So all that stuff looks and sounds really cool. And I just can't wait to dive more into this era. And that also got me thinking though, as far as what this means for the old Republic, because part of me was thinking as this was getting announced is this going to be something that's not going to replace the old Republic, but for the time being is going to be our quote unquote old Republic in the new Canon. Are we going to get characters introduced or is Revan going to be introduced in this era and all that type of stuff taken from the game in here. But the more after reading it and then uh, thinking about it and looking at some of the stories and titles that we're getting, I don't think that's going to be the case at all, but that does make me think, are they saving that? And the reason the High Republic is set only two hundred years before the movie, before the the movies is because the Old Republic is going to be the stories they're going to tell in movies or TV shows. They want to tell stories in live action or animation, maybe even, with the old Jedi, and maybe they're saving the Old Republic for that. And that's why this whole new line of novels, comics, is going to be focused on this different era called the High Republic because they don't want to step on each other's toes. It's kind of where you can kind of have the best of both worlds where the people involved with the High Republic are free to tell their own stories. They have plenty of room in the timeline to do whatever they want. But yet we know, and Kathleen Kennedy has said it, and we know things have changed, but the Old Republic is something they've been looking at. And they could tell this type of story and not step on the shoes of whatever they have planned or in development for the old republic whether it be in a movie or tv shows because that's kind of how i'm feeling where things might go because i think they've easily could have just made this the old republic Mm -hmm. and fans would be just as excited about it and this would be the new canon of the old republic era but it's not and we know how important that era is those to fans so i'm thinking they're still saving that and that might be some for future movies or tv shows so that's kind of where my thought was when this first got announced a lot to be excited about. And part of me was thinking that only this could be the new movie series because it looks so cool. But then I started thinking, well, maybe they're saving that for something else. And this is going to be the public publication side of things. Where it is this going to focus on this one era? And I think that is a good thing to, too, I was going back to what you were talking about, Paul, having this freedom to have these crossovers, comics and novels to tie into each other and not worry about, Contradicting what's we're gonna see in a movie or a TV show, but they just have this own era to play with And they can do whatever they want do some cool crossovers and if it is successful Like you were talking about and there is potential to grow this era even further whether it's in video games or an animated series it has the potential to do that because I don't know from what stuff we're seeing and how it's looking This era is looking ripe for a lot of cool and interesting stories They can tell in other mediums too, like video games or TV shows. So Yeah, this was a really cool announcement. It's something to, I think, get excited about as we're waiting to see what's going to happen with future Star Wars movies, what they're going to be and when we're going to get them. But for the time being, if we got some great TV shows down the pipeline with The Mandalorian Season 2, Cassian and Obi-Wan coming pretty soon. Plus, we got this new era to read about and immerse ourselves in with comics and novels. I mean, sign me up for all that stuff while (laughs) Star Wars is... Still going to be pretty relevant amongst the fandom with this stuff moving forward, regardless of when we get any new movies or not, because all of this stuff is sounding really, really cool. So, yeah,
1: I am definitely excited for The High Republic. I'm loving what I'm seeing from it so far. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, to, to go back to what you said about this possibly relating to or replacing The Old Republic... Um, cause that thought kind of crossed my mind too. I was like, well, what if they just had Revan as a Jedi, like in, in this version? Or, you know, what if this is what Kathleen Kennedy meant when she said they were doing the old Republic? And I don't think that's the case either. Obviously the door is still wide open for them to tell those kinds of stories, not only in the timeline, but in what's already been established in the official canon. Um, you have stuff in Rebels, like on, uh, Malachor, where you know you see the remains of the ancient war between the Jedi and mm-hmm. the Sith, and you know Kanan training with Sabine, and he mentions the Mandalorian Wars, and you know the whole history of Tar Vizsla and the Dark Saber, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we know, I mean, we don't know for a fact, I don't think, that there aren't going to be any Sith in the High Republic, but I think it's, I, I mean, I think they've kind of hinted at that as well as the fact that this is only two hundred years before the movies, and we know that in the Phantom Menace. They, the Jedi believe that the Sith have been extinct for millennia. Um, mm-hmm. we that also, was one of the
2: things I was worried about too with this are they gonna because those rumors coming about what the High Republic is gonna be, and we're talking about oh, they can't do the Sith, it'll contradict to what we got in the movies. And so far, they're stick staying away from that, which I am glad to hear. And yeah. hopefully, the phases down the line because they are hinting at a greater threat than just denial. Because we see some glimpses in that teaser video of other. Forces that are going to go up against the jedi and the i think there was a tagline at the end that says what scares the jedi so i think yeah. there's another threat coming yeah does that was sound what like got them the excited same. yeah because
1: yeah. what scares the jedi you wouldn't think that the answer to that would be vikings right mm, exactly. so so you're right i definitely think there's a greater threat in fact it makes me think of you know back in the days of kotor and i got really into like the lore behind those games and I remember reading stuff online to the point where I'm like, you know, you know, when there's certain things that you're like, you know, certain story details or whatever that you're like, I don't even know how I know that, but I remember it. But like, I'm not sure how accurate it is because I don't remember where I read that or if it was actually canon or not. Um, But I remember there was, you know, a story around that where, you know, in the backstory of the game, Revan was the one that defeated the Mandalorians in the Mandalorian War and the Jedi and the Republic were kind of reeling from uh, a previous war against the Sith and Exar Kuhn, and this was only like 40 years later that the Mandalorians then came and invaded. Um, but the the story, or maybe at least the speculation or whatever, was that the Mandalorians had been provoked into attacking the Republic by the Sith, and that this was kind of, you know, basically that there were greater forces at work uh, or, or darker, you know, forces at work behind the scenes uh, rather than just, in fact, I think that might be actually in the backstory of the old Republic MMO game is that it was the Sith who, uh, convinced the Mandalorians to attack the Republic and kind of goaded them into it and just kind of challenged them as warriors. Like, Hey, I bet you guys are strong enough to, to overthrow the whole Republic. And the Mandalorians are like, yeah, you know what? I bet we are And the Sith empire that was hiding in the shadows, just kind of sat back and watched, um, so I I that same kind of thing came to mind with the Nile and I was like what kind of other sinister forces could be behind this and I definitely don't want to see you know Jedi having lightsaber duels with Sith lords I don't think we're going to see that but it could be kind of cool if there is maybe a Sith lord involved in this story and the Jedi never realize that that's what's going, going on. on you know if there's a Sith lord pulling yeah. pulling the strings behind the scenes that maybe one of our Jedi characters Maybe, I mean, maybe they even discover the Sith Lord and get killed. And so, you know, the rest of the Jedi never finds out what happened. Or they discover the Sith Lord, find out that, you know, it, and it could be like somebody posing, just like how Palpatine was also the Chancellor. You know, it could be a, a Sith Lord posing as somebody else. Um, and and the Jedi confront them, but never realize the true nature of who this person is. Um, so there could be some cool possibilities there for the Jedi to maybe have close encounters with the Sith without realizing that that's who their true enemy is. Um, but it's also ripe territory for them to co- introduce some completely new villains too. And again, not just the Nile, but, you know, maybe somebody more sinister who's influencing things who is a completely separate entity from the Sith. So um, I'm really intrigued and excited by all those different story possibilities Um, but then the one other thing I wanted to go back to just to continue that discussion about, you know, what you were saying, Paul, about this leading to, Mm. to bigger tie-ins with and Tim, you mentioned this too, like video games or animated series or movies or whatever. I think, I do think it would be pretty cool to see, especially like a video game set during this era or maybe an animated series. I just, I worry about movies. And again, I think it could be cool to maybe get like one standalone film set during this. Um, but I just think, like, I think it's great. Like you're talking about that this is really like a, a think tank and a group effort, and that you've got all these writers working together, and they're all working individually on their own novels or their own comic series or whatever. But they're also working together to chart the path of where this story is going and kind of shape the the overall direction of the storytelling that they're doing. And I just worry if you bring a movie director into that. And I'm not saying that all movie directors are, are jerks or divas or whatever. I'm just saying that, again, because that is like and, you know, you think about from the the executive perspective, like from, you know, if you're Kathleen Kennedy or Bob Iger or whoever the guy is that just replaced Bob Iger as the CEO of Disney and you're looking down on this, you want to prioritize the movie. Um and so whoever is the director in that scenario or the writer of the film is going to have more say than every than anybody else. And any, and everybody else is just going to end up falling in line and the movie is going to take priority number one. And I just worry that that could impact, you know, negatively impact the some of the stories that they're telling in the novels and stuff like that. Um, now, if they could pull it off well, I mean, I would love to see that. But also, like I said, at least for right now, I'm content for this just to be a publishing thing. And then again, you know, if it's successful and they want to work in, you know, video games or other mediums into it, um, I think that would be awesome. Um, I just, you know, if they have a really good thing going with all these authors and stuff, I would hate to have a a movie come in and be, you know, stepping on everybody's toes or kind of grind things to a halt and then have to... Because the other thing too, you got to keep in mind, like production on a movie takes so much longer than one person writing a novel. And there's so many more moving pieces involved and so many more right. people involved in the production of it. So, um, but you gotta understand too, yes, to get the movie started,
0: but to get the, the core idea and the write a script or, you know, it takes about, I'd say it might take longer. I don't know. I've never written a script or, or a novel, but I would imagine a novel and a script process aren't too dissimilar especially if you consider this is not a great comparison but like david ayers wrote the suicide script, uh squad script in like six months and it shows i think in some ways <laughs> yeah. i actually like the movie well
1: no and i mean i well, think honestly six months for a movie script is not that bad like i mean heck jj yeah, abrams and Lawrence gasden yeah. wrote the script for the force awakens in like two months um well they, re- they reworked it but yeah mm,
0: i don't they, know they had- they at least had like something going on. I mean they, they I mean, had they're... some
1: they had some ideas already for sure, but um but also but also like what you write in the script is very rarely exactly what shows up on the screen. Exactly. You know, you do rewrites, you do reshoots. Um right. I- imagine, you know, for for an example, imagine a group of novel writers writing a story along with Gareth Edwards and Gary Whitta for Rogue One and trying to come up with a cohesive story where they can all feed off of each other and have novels and stuff that tie into what's going on in that movie. And they write the books and they come out a year before the movie comes out. How much would that all be screwed up by what the final product of that movie was with all yeah. the, the rewrites and the reshoots and stuff that they have. Tons had to do. of contradictions
2: so, of what that ending would be probably. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and so that's what worries me about them potentially tying movies into this. Um, and again, it but could it, it could work. And if they can get it to work, great. But I I just again, I'm not trying to be a, a naysayer or anything. I really like the idea of what they're doing with the High Republic. And I think this is a perfect area for them to just, you know, have some really good, solid novels and, and comics and stuff that tell. New stories with new characters and can do big and bold things with those characters and not have to worry about the ramifications of like, oh, but what if they wanted to use this character in the movie? Oh, I can't kill them off because Disney says that character is too profitable and they need them in the next movie or whatever. You know, it's like they've got a lot more creative freedom. I Yo, think fi- if it's if it's just the, the publishing stuff.
0: But you got to remember, that you you always have freedom what, whatever medium you're in. And I think that's the thing is that you always want to have yourself the flexibility of that. And I, th- I don't think this will have – the only reason why I'm saying to have this cohesiveness is to have a real general idea of what you're doing. Now, and again, I'm not saying the film goes directly into the novel or things like that. In fact, I would say you'd still – just like how – we all would think this is the, the most obvious is whatever the, the main uh, there be TV or film. That's, that's like the heart. And then the books and the comics can just be again, the arms and the legs. It can't move without the heart and the head. Right. So to me, that's what the film, the TV series or whatever is. And the books and the comics are the arms and legs.
1: Well, again, right. But and. In- so- but what I feel like that's kind of how it's always been, and what I like no, about I this know, is with the High Republic, they have a chance for the books and the novels, and the, you know, the, but for but this stuff saying, to be said, the heart. You guys of it. are
0: saying that how, but you're saying Rogue One had all these different changes, but again, Rogue One was just a one film thing. And if you make, well, I'm using that just they,
1: as an example of how well, things right, change over well, the course of production, right? But
0: if you, but if you think about this, if you restructure your heart or get a heart surgery, if you will, right? you then, everything can still function afterwards normally. And so what I'm trying to say is that if you still have your film as the heartbeat, you can change the heartbeat. As long as it's still beating, you're good. And that's my point. See, that, that's
1: that's different that, though, because if you make major changes to the film and everybody else is writing things that have to tie into that film, then no, no, they're no, no, all no. going to have to rewrite stuff to fix that.
0: You're not, no, no. This is where, <clears throat> and again, this is where I think the mis- the misunderstanding is, is coming from because you can have it depend. I mean, it really depends on if you restructure the whole thing. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. And not, that's why I used row one as an example. They restructured but, but the whole everyone, thing. The, they, I think they're all mostly going to die anyway. I think some maybe lived, but you
1: could easily write
0: around that. Well, other yeah. But, but I'm not my, talking
1: about just the ending. I'm talking about just the way that things played out but in again, the movie. The books. The books and the comics, is, again, and, and they haven't
0: come out yet, so I don't know. But going by what they're saying and what they've told us, these books and comics aren't speaking to each other directly. And that's my point, is that you, if they're not speaking to if, – if, for instance, let's say you're right. There's a movie that – let's say there was a High Republic movie, and they rewrote something that a character survives instead of dies, okay? And let's say one of the books actually has them dying. To change that would not be very hard to change on a last-minute thing. To be honest, right? So, because that's the thing, these books are not tying in direct. Again, as far as I know, in the way they've described it, they're not direct, like 100%. Like they're just, again, they're off in a different world or different area that they might you might hear ramifications from it. Just like how we always wanted that when when Obi Wan says to Anakin that business on Kitty doesn't doesn't count. I mean. He's making a reference. We don't know anything about it other than that it's a reference. It's things like that. That's what I mean. It doesn't have to be, oh, here's these characters are going to reflect from this massive death and they're going to talk to that person. No, no, it doesn't have to be that connected. And then that's not the impression that I got from The High Republic. The High Republic's telling an overall grand story. You can have certain characters, you know, here's the thing. As long as the main point of the movie gets across, which in, again, using Rogue One, the whole point was to get the, the Death Star plans. That's the main part of the story. If the main part of the story is for the most part, is usually what happens, let's say hypothetically, as long as the main part is still true to the other start parts of the of the books and the comics, they're fine. So that's my that's my that's what I'm trying to say, is that you could still have changes and modifications and you're not gonna affect too much of these other books, hypo- you know, hypothetically. If in fact, if, if what if what I'm explaining is is what they're doing, because that's what I'm at least gathering from them, is that they're not they're, you don't have to read one to get the other. If they just speak to each other, or they are just they're, they're all building towards something overall. And I think that to me, and again, if the film is the heart, and they're all building towards that, then that makes sense, and that would be even better. Right now we haven't really got that with the books. Maybe the back in the EU the books did that a lot better because George didn't care about spoilers and didn't care about secrecy as much as you know, as obviously the new regimes do and, and whatnot. And right. So, well,
1: and you know, I was gonna get to that because it's not only that he didn't care about spoilers as much or whatever, but also he knew what he was doing with the story moving forward. Exactly and, and I was gonna exactly. use and I was gonna use the example of like when uh like the all the clone wars stuff that came out in between uh attack of the clones and revenge of the sith that was another kind of big cross platform multimedia thing i mean we had the clone wars micro series uh there were clone wars video games there was uh you know and a ton of clone wars novels and comics um and this is even before the the animated series came out but you know the the micro series was part of this um But like when they finished Attack of the Clones, George pretty much knew everything that was going to happen in Revenge of the Sith and he could pass that information down and they could build towards that. Um, And obviously, I mean, you know, it's not like the stuff in those novels and everything like was essential and really built towards Revenge of the Sith, but you had, you know, just stories taking place during the war. Um, And it's a lot of different separate, you know, just battle stories and stuff like that. But also, you see, like, in the comics, Anakin fought Asajj Ventress and got his scar. Um, You have in—I think it was in one of the novels and also in the Clone Wars Microseries where he becomes a Jedi Knight and they introduce General Grievous and all that kind of stuff. So, like, they knew what was going to happen in the movie. And so they could kind of tease some of that stuff or integrate some of that into, um, you know, into the the novels and the comics and all that kind of stuff. Um now i think part of why that worked too is because there were three years in between the movies back then now you know typically there's two years or i mean obviously for all the or for the sequel trilogy there were two years in between movies um so you'd have That's less point, time yeah. you'd have less time to crank that stuff out but also you know i mean i mean for in order for something like this to work like i said it it i wish it could be a truly collaborative effort but the way it is gonna work if if that were to happen is that the movie comes first and everything else are the dominoes that just fall after and so they need to get their crap together with the movies like and and obviously i'm not saying that the movies are bad or whatever but like i was talking about earlier just that lack of planning for overall you know an overall trilogy or an overall series it's like if you're gonna have writers that come follow in your footsteps and tell you know integral pieces of stories with these characters and stuff then you got to know what the end game is and you got to know what you're all building towards because that's exactly the reason why like we've been talking about from the beginning that the stories so far you know a lot of the novels and stuff have not been that impactful because you know they had to kind of especially with the stuff from the sequel trilogy and you know tie-in novels and comics and stuff there it's because they had to wait for the people doing the movies to figure out what the heck they were doing before they could try to, you know, do stuff to tie into it. Um, and now, now that the sequel trilogy is over, I'm hoping that we can maybe get some more impactful or insightful stuff that fills in some of the background stories and stuff of those characters where you then don't have to worry about, like, oh, how is this going to affect the next movie? Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, that's why I would... At least for now, I would like to see The the High Republic just be its own thing within the publishing realm. Give us some really solid books and novels and let them just run with it. Um, and if they were to either in, introduce movies in that time period or do something similar in the future where you plan out a movie trilogy and have books and comics and stuff that more directly tie into it and it feels like a more cohesive story like you were talking about, Paul. I love that idea. I'm just skeptical about their ability to pull it off and you really got to have a solid plan for the movies in place first and, and, you know, have a solid story in place and know where you're going with it and let the rest of those dominoes fall after.
2: Yeah. And just to add a little bit to what you guys are saying, you think it's really that impossible if let's say this is a big success and they want to do a movie and we're talking about how, Directors and writers want to do what they want and have their own vision. Is it really so far fetched to find a writer or director who would also be fully invested in these stories in no this era kidding. before yes, they get involved you. with that? So it can be kind of a seamless transition or expansion of the story into a feature film. I don't think it'd be that hard, but that's what they would have to you do. You would really, hope is not. To, yeah, to find someone who's. Like, fully invested, okay, this is what's come before, I love this stuff, I want to continue on the story, tell my story, but fully embrace and not acknowledge everything, but respect everything that's come before in this, and just continue
1: it on, just in a film. See, that might be hard, though, because, I mean, we consume so much of this stuff as fans, but, like, you know, someone that's a Hollywood writer or director and is busy with a lot of different projects, I mean, not saying that they don't have time to consume entertainment, but, you know, when you hear, I mean... Or even just to
2: pitch it to him like, hey, this is a Star Wars movie project we're thinking of. This is the world that's come before. Like, Show him and tell him everything that's happened and have him get invested in beforehand. And if he really falls in love with it, then that's the one you go with to continue on this story. Not necessarily got to find the fan of the stuff first, but kind of pitch him all the stuff that's come before. And hopefully he really falls in love with what's been told already and wants to tell stories in that era as well. And be respectful to that.
0: Yeah. Or, again, what I was saying, bring them all in so they're all – he or she is totally in line with what the other people are bringing in Mm -hmm. and go, yeah, it's a great idea. Again, that article, they all talk about the great ideas they all built off of each other and whatnot, and having a writer – for a script and a director that's on board, like you said, Tim, like, oh yeah, I really like this idea. I helped create this and we're all working together. It's a very different thing. It's never been done before. Just like they, this whole thing that they're doing now where the comics and the books are intertwined and and developed like this, this is very much a new thing. It hasn't really been done before and it's crossed different mediums. And that's where the exciting thing about this all is, is that what does that mean for films and TV going forward too? And I think you nailed it. Is it going to be that hard to find someone again, a young, hungry filmmaker and script writer who who want to get their break in in this industry? You don't think they'd want to? they they'd sit down and want to work on a Star Wars project with the comics and the books. I mean, that's the thing. You have to be, and this is where I think the rub is. You have to be invested in what everyone's like coming up with. Obviously, yeah. So mm-hmm. Lucasfilm has to be one hundred percent behind whatever they're doing. So obviously the High Republic, they're all they're all in they're all in about the High Republic as far as publishing goes. But could they do something like that with everything? It remains to be seen. We don't know. I think, yes, I think it's possible if you come up with something something that they think is worthwhile. and maybe that takes a longer time with when you add film and TV because that's a lot more money. I don't know. But to me, I feel that that's what you need. You need to have that think tank idea. And I think finding a writer and a, and an art or a script writer and a director that it wants to be invested like Tim was saying, they're out there. They're just not the big names. And I think that's... And this is where I think Disney needs... Or excuse me, uh, Lucasfilm needs to take a page from Marvel's book and not be scared to work with a little bit of lesser-known quantity of of directors and writers and just let them write and have them, again, find the storytellers that tell great stories and figure out all the special effects stuff later and, and, and whatnot. Because essentially, they're... You already can sell the audience based on the characters. You just got to rely on these people to tell the story, and that's where I think Star Wars has really fallen off. Is that they have depended on the writers and the director to have the vision enough to sell the movie and these characters. Whereas in Marvel, they they have a utmost confidence in the characters, and I'm and I'm not saying JJ didn't either, and and Lucasfilm didn't with the sequel trilogy, but I feel that that's kind of what happened. They 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 relied on the director rather than relied on the characters and i at least in, again just in the very bare bones idea of it i think if they relied on the idea if they, if they were sold on whatever they were doing they would be they all the, all they would need to do is find the right writer and director or writers i should say for a film and that it, it wouldn't have to be these grand you know a jj abrams or a ron howard or or the game of thrones guys you could be you could get the again the other Game of Thrones directors that directed individual episodes that aren't big names, but they know how to <laughs> well, craft the that, that
1: that was a gamble that didn't work out so well for Marvel.
0: But no, no but but <laughs> but like but when I'm but that was a whole different there's a whole different thing about that, I think, with, with that one. But regardless is all the other directors, I mean like a Peyton Reed. I mean him doing Ant-Man very you know James Gunn's a great example. I mean who would have thought that guy should do it? Just
2: just look at the Russo. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the yeah, Russos are great. Exactly. They did community episodes, but they told great stories and and Kevin Feige again, this is where Kevin Feige's genius is. It's it's he's not a creator like sits down and go, we're going to create the story. He's he's brilliant and knows what he wants and he knows those characters. And that's where he knew I need to get this kind of these kind of visionaries, these kind of writers, these kind of directors, and he's been he's hit obviously way more than anyone else anticipated, and I think that that's where you need to go with Star Wars in a sense to where you need to find the thing you need to sell. You have something to sell in the High Republic, find the directors or whatever project you want to do, find the directors, find the writers that are hungry and are good storytellers. They may not be big names, but you take that chance because. Again, you can sell the brand and the characters of Star Wars because it's Star Wars. You don't have to sell it because JJ Abrams is coming in and is gonna fix the fix it from the prequels, which is a, a very much a, a theme that we got from him himself and mm-hmm. Disney during The Force Awakens, which mm-hmm. again I think backfired, obviously. So so this is where I think I, I'm always I'm keep coming back to is the fact that you don't we, if you do this think tank idea, you can bring in those hungry writers and directors and those new storytellers and new blood. It is taking a chance, but at this point, look what they've done. Star Wars is kind of all, is not, I wouldn't say it's a damaged brand, but it's, it's taken some lumps, it's taken some hits. And I think that you, people are hungry for it because look at the Mandalorian, people love the Mandalorian and not because of Baby Yoda, it's because it's a great show. And so I feel that it's all there. They just need to be embrace whatever project they're focused on. And I think, again, I'm going to say it again. The High Republic is, I think, a great intro to what they could do as cohesive storytelling going forward. But I'm curious. We've talked a lot about the the politics, which I think are fascinating. I really do. Obviously, I I won't shut up about it. But I'm curious what you guys, as far as speculation of what this all is, because I think there's a lot of cool stuff that you could tell in the High Republic besides just a bunch of space Vikings to be quite honest. And I think the video itself does a great job of kind of hinting at what they could do. And I'm curious if you picked up on some of the things that I did. And one of them is being that kind of devil demon looking lady or whatever thing in it. And there were rumors, and I'm not sure if we touched on this or not, uh, Kyle, there's rumors about a Sith God Sith gods in the unknown regions. And that was not ever touched upon or, or anything in the press material, but that was leaked out. And everything was pretty close, besides the time frame was a little bit off. But everything else was pretty spot on. Um, I'm curious if you guys think that as far as besides the Nile, which I think will be a pretty self-explanatory introductionary story to ever to the to the era and to the characters and whatnot. But I'm curious of what kind of stories you'll think you will get from the High Republic. And what kind of uh, not just stories, but like again, for what kind of mythology will it enhance? Because I think that to me is what I'm most looking forward to. What will the High Republic do as far as as the Force mythology going forward?
1: Oh yeah, well, I mean, I hadn't heard anything about those Sith gods that you were talking about, and I don't know how much I like that idea. But I mean, just like we were talking about earlier, uh, right. I I definitely like the idea that you know, obviously, we know the Sith are out there, and the the Nile seem like pretty cool villains, but I'm more intrigued to know like what's their driving force and is there anything pulling the strings behind them and what other kind of threats are out there. Like I said, they asked that question in the video of what scares the Jedi. And I don't think the main answer to that is a bunch of space Vikings. Um so yeah, I think mainly I'm just I'm excited to see what kind of new enemies and threats and and kind of sinister things develop out there and what kind of new cool Star Wars villains we're gonna get introduced to. And then I'm just excited to see more of the mythology mythology of the Jedi and see them at sort of the height of their power and uh you know them just at their peak of protecting the galaxy. And um, you know, obviously we're gonna get new is just like we've seen from the the new outfit designs and the lightsabers and stuff. I mean it. It's going to feel, I think, very familiar to the Jedi of the prequels, but I think we'll get some new, you know, some new stuff introduced as well. So, um I mean, I don't have a ton of theories or speculations as far as, like, specific storylines, Um, but I'm just, I'm excited first and foremost to just get introduced to these new Jedi characters, and hopefully they're likable right off the bat. And then, uh, you know, just excited to see what kind of adventures they go on, what kind of threats they face, and... Um, Excited to see how all these different interconnected stories start building a a story and a time period that really, you know, has its own identity. Um, and, of course, its own cool threats and bad guys and stuff like that. So,
2: Yeah, I'm hoping for really some new stuff to be brought into it and to expand the mythology more so that just relying on the Sith. Like when you said the word Sith gods, I remember those rumors. Like I kind of forgot about them. But then when you brought it up just now, Paul, was like, oh, yeah. That's right. I kind of hope that's not the case. I mean, with Sith gods? I don't even know how you would go into explain that. I'm sure there could, but with the I don't Sith- think that
0: Sith gods. I think is a very broad. I think the whoever reported that is just kind of doing it for a lot more of a broad stroke. I, I would say like yeah. dark side, like creatures, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. I, that's kind of the way I interpreted it as.
2: Because exploring new aliens or factions that use the force i think could be cool just some um, and just do it in different ways because not relying on the sith rules and the rule of two and all that there could be a, a room for it to explore some new avenues of different force users and how they do it but one other thing that i forgot to mention i was giving my initial impressions but has me excited about this it was that term how they're describing the jedi as jedi knights of the round table i love that And I'm a big fan of the Arthurian legend and King Arthur stories. And the fact that the Jedi are being described like that has me really excited for what stories we could tell. And, you know, I'm not expecting like a lightsaber in the stone where Hmm. a chosen Jedi has to pull it out where no no one can. But just the Jedi kind of representing what the Knights of the Round Table represented and what they did. And I think it would kind of be cool if we got kind of an anthology book that tells the stories of certain... Jedi knights and some of the adventures they mm. go on and some of the yeah. ordeals they have to go. Because I remember in middle school, there was a cool King Arthur book that I read that each chapter was about a different knight of the round table and the adventures that they were on. And I really loved that. And they could kind of bring that into the Star Wars realm, the little like fantasy aspect to it. But you're dealing with knights who are protecting uh, the realm or the galaxy in this case. And just showing what they have to face Mm -hmm. and some of the trials they have to go through and the adventures they go on i think could be really cool so i did like that whole aspect of the jedi being described not as knights of the round table i think could be a really cool way to explore this side of the Jedi that we haven't gotten too much especially in this new canon so that's an aspect i'm excited for but um like i said as far as stuff expanding the mythology and the force this is a good opportunity to do that yeah this is a different era where the Jedi could be, I don't know, just open to different interpretations or aspects of the Force in this era of peace, or maybe they miss out on certain aspects of it. It could be just going to be interesting to see how the Jedi operate, not only in interacting with other people in the galaxy or dealing with threats, but just how they're dealing with the Force during this time of peace as well, can bring in some interesting aspects to it also.
0: Yeah, and I think that to me, there's a lots of really cool things you could do with this. And I think that one of the things that uh if you if there's a whiteboard with a bunch of different things, which I know a lot of yeah, people are living right. on, you know,
2: the one that's a dinosaur or something. Like yeah, and people
0: like, yeah. what do they by dinosaurs on there? like, what do you mean? What do you think, you idiots? It means like creatures. Come on, <laughs> you know? I mean like figure
1: it out. Like, do backs. Hello. The, yeah. The re- Heck, Obi Wan already wrote a dinosaur in Revenge of the Sith
0: it was amazing yeah, yeah. So, so anyway people i love people who are ripping on that whole thing like they, you know besides they had the words what uh uh you know diversity they had it
2: on
0: twice and they had dinosaurs like yeah
1: get over it dude dinosaurs yeah. are awesome and plus you know, what you know I, what? I was just watching the first I, I just rewatched the first episode of the mandalorian today where he's like riding on the blurgs those are dinosaurs yeah. a blurg is literally like a T-Rex with the midsection of its body removed and its head just stuck on its pelvis. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. So, so, so anyway, what, here's one of the things I thought was interesting is that it said rival houses. And I Mm -hmm. thought of that and thought, does that that mean? Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering, does that mean rival like force users and that's where I think we're going to get a lot of different things. And, and like I said, I really do think the Nile is going to be a very, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am kind of story as far as it's not going to be in the whole High Republic. It's yeah. going to be one, like the one phase. And then it's going to move on after that. And I think it's this is basically just to give us a bird's eye view. Sorry, my my dog is like rolling on the ground and making lots of noise. Bing, stop it. Sorry. She's excited about the uh,
2: Old public too. Yeah, she,
0: she's it. like, I the Old Republic, Dad. No, but the thing is, what will what does that mean? Will we see different kinds of Force users? And I, that's where I think we're going to get. I think we're going to – because one of the things that we – again, as a, you know, whatever, a giant Star Wars fan, we always thought there was a dark side versus the light side. And there was one kind or it was a, there was a Sith, there was a Jedi, there might be, you know, whatever – and with George, he introduced the Sisters out of nowhere and they're, they don't have lightsabers, but they use the force in a different way. And I think that's what we're going to probably going to get is a little bit more of maybe those kinds of things. Yeah.
2: So I'm open and, for it.
0: Yeah. And, and that, I think there's a lot of great ideas you could do with that. Different, you know, again, you can have not rogue Jedi, but something that's like that, that the Jedi are are against, and you have them fight up against it. I think having the dark side gods, I think dark side monsters, Sith, you know, dark side beings, if you will. Um, If one thing that Rise of Skywalker has shown us is that there is different things about the dark side and what it can do, and many, you know, pathways, you know, lead to be unnatural, that can be interpreted in so many different ways. So that could be these demonic beings that are living out there but they can't go anywhere because they're again they're 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 not physically attached or you know they can't just roam around they're kind of stuck in the unknown regions. So and again why are they stuck there? There's lots of great written and, and maybe they go to the unknown regions and they fight this Sith or not Sith but this dark side entity or whatever defeat it and again, that's not a Sith, so it didn't return. It didn't, you know, it can still keep true to the whole Millennia comment from the Phantom Menace. But again, it's a dark side thing and that you can then then enrich, like, where did that come from? Like, kind of like the X, it's like XR Kun, right? From the, from the EU. He was something that was kind of, he lingered on Yavin and was stuck there. Well, what if it was something like that? And then that, his story and how he got there ends up being told in the Old Republic or or in the Tales of the Jedi. God, I love Tales of the Jedi. But my point is there's lots of different cool things you can do and integrate with this. And so that to me is what's really exciting about the High Republic is what exactly they're gonna be giving us and what in this first phase. Because I think this is only the minor phase in my opinion. And I think there's gonna be bigger phases. And especially if it gets as popular as it does, we're gonna see different things. And so the last thing I'll say that I'm really excited about, I think that I think it's a no-brainer, and I think I think you guys would both agree with me. And I think it's I think it's it'd be a giant missed opportunity is having Sith tie-in novels. Now, and when I say that, I mean you get to see the Sith kind of, you know, from the shadow of perspective. And we get to yeah, see. Yeah, like them- a
1: separate like cause this is it seems like it's exactly. all gonna be focusing on a series of Jedi characters, but have like Kind of like the flip side where you see what the Sith are up to during this time period. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. So like, so for instance, I I almost think it'd be a no brainer to have a Darth Plagueis book. You want to have a canon Darth Plagueis book and really kind of get the, the, uh, the, the beginnings of Darth Plagueis without maybe going quite far into the, uh, she Palpatine era, you could have a you could have the new canon version of Pal- of Plagueis start around this era because Muns, are, are I think are pretty old at that point if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but either way, Plagueis or not, you have a Sith story that's them learning and you get to see learn more about the Sith and they lurk from the shadows and you get to see him kill Jedi. Like, very much, um, Kyle. I know you don't read it or anything, but do you re- did you read the uh, Darth Maul uh, comic series that came out a couple years ago? Mmm, wait,
1: Son of Dathomir? No, 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 the one after that. It's, it's a canon one. Well, Son of is canon. I, well, that's I, the only one I I've know, read. It, it, that's, a, that's a Clone You haven't read,
0: hold on, Mr. Darth Maul, Mr. Love the Sith, and you haven't read that comic book? Come on, bro. Do
1: you even Star War? Come on. <laughs> I Star <laughs> War, I just don't comic. Uh, I, I, by the way,
0: I'm not a fan of the Star Wars comment. I only like say it as a joke. It's Dude, not my
1: thing. Thank you, Paul.
0: I don't want to I'm go into the of Yeah, <laughs>
2: you
0: guys, can, you guys can, you all, ladies and gentlemen, you guys can say it all you want. I'm not going to judge you for it. It's just not my thing. I say it as a joke because I just, it's, I just don't like saying Star Wars. Anyway,
1: 100%. No, yeah. But- hey, oh, sorry. <laughs> did, did I not read enough comics and so I lost the Star Wars? Yes. Uh. <laughs> well played.
2: Well
0: played. No, um I don't know if you have Marvel Limited Unlimited or not, but definitely go and read that series. Cause and I'm gonna spoil it a little bit for you guys, ladies and gentlemen. So
1: minor spoiler. <laughs> N- now I'm not gonna read it, but all of you are like, hey, go read this. Here's exactly what happens. No no no. no, no. <laughs> I, I I will say this. And, and and Tim, you've read it, I assume.
0: Yeah. So um I will I'm not gonna spoil it. I'll spoil it a little bit. It definitely it does enough where it develops Darth Maul and kind of shows a little bit of his character pre the Phantom Menace. That's and so, it, without tr- you know you know going on any other um, ter- obviously counter contradicting uh, contradicting canon, if you will. So what I'm saying is, if, so if you want to get an idea of what I'm talking about, without and I'm not gonna spoil it, but it does take place before Phantom Menace. Oh, is, that the, the Darth- is
1: that the one where he like fights a Raftar? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. So you have read that? No, I haven't. I just remember hearing about that. Well,
0: well, Anyway, but but if you read that comic, that's a great example of what you can do with a Darth. Um, excuse me, a uh, Sith novel that's set in the High Republic, and have it be its own thing. You get to see how and why the Sith rise, and how they're able to on the early stages without necessarily, you know, going into the whole. You know, whatever, you know, the Sith have been extinct for millennia. Stupid Keanu Mundy. Um, So, uh, but you know what I mean? Like, I think there's, if you read that comic, definitely you'll get an idea. I don't want to spoil it because
1: if you have Marvel Unlimited, go read it, man. It's awesome. It's okay. it's a really solid comic. Okay. Okay. But what about the droid attack on the Wookiees? Um, no. Hey, you know <laughs> I what? The- I-, I did read uh the, what was the other Darth Maul one? The Age of Republic one. See, so I read some Darth Maul comics, and that um, was a great. And
0: by the way, that was Jody Hauser. Which, by the way, Jody Hauser should be writing another comic book series besides just being a I mean, She wrote the Age of, yeah. uh, but some so that of her was the
1: age best of movie. the Age of series, all the yeah, yep. no that and great. that was amazing. Where he's like on uh, on Malachor with Sidious and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like, so, give me more of
0: that. Yeah, so if if you like that comic, Kyle, you'll like the Darth Maul miniseries. It's 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 not the same writer, but it's in the same vein. It's really really solid. I, I think you'll enjoy it. So go read that. Or I'll maybe if it's on sale, I'll, I'll gift it to you at some point because yeah, I know you don't read. So um, but the thing is, if you read that comic, you can you do that and even more so and expand the Sith mythology because we obviously. It's obvious that George, before he left, gave a lot of rules and gave a lot of his insight about the Sith and the Jedi and, and things like that. I mean, for God's sakes, he, he named Sheev before he left. I mean, that, that, <laughs> how is that? So what I'm saying is you have a lot of things. You Wait, that came from George? That came from George. Oh, I didn't know that. The dogs, yeah, because one of the things they when they had a big meeting before he left and everything, they talked about things and they asked him, does the emperor have a first name? And he said, yes, it's Sheev. And that, and they and they put that into the James Lucino novel. That's why right. it's kind of early on. Um, but anyway, but my point is, George probably has even more notes and things that, that they he's given them that they can definitely put into the novels and things like that, that I think that they should start exploring and really start giving us, you know, a little bit more of an insight of that, of what makes a Sith rule to work. And I think you could do that in the High Republic with, and have it tie into everything. I mean, for all we know... The Nile could be a Sith thing. We just don't know. I mean, that's the, as, and when I say that, meaning they're behind it, that the Jedi will not find out they're behind it, but they're right. right, right. They're, so I think that that's a possibility too. So again, the, the High Republic, and I want to, I don't think people talk about it enough. There's a lot of potential with this on so many different levels. And it's really, really exciting. I, I just, I just think there's so many opportunities from a story standpoint. And I think that again, the ideas of having the Sith and having these side stories, like kind of like spinoffs, kind of like, um, Tim, you're, you'll laugh, but like the the Civil War tie-ins, like front lines. Yeah. That's what I kind of think of like this, this uh, Sith uh, Sith books or whatever you could do is like they're not really they're connected, but they're so far loosely away from everything that they're they're its own thing entirely. Very much like that, but it's in but it's in the era and it's part of that grander story, but it's not necessarily essential. But everyone's going to want to read it because it's Sith. So, I think you open those doors. But here's the thing: Lucasfilm has to do it. They have to. They have to have the guts to do it. So, to me, what's to, I, I'm I, obviously I, I have a canon shelf. I'm going to be supporting Star Wars because I I have a collection hobby and I'm an idiot and I rebuy everything. So. <laughs> But but I if you want this kind of stuff and you really want to show Lucasfilm you want cohesive storytelling support the High Republic I think that's your best way you you vote with your wallet that's that's how people say that's what that's what the people in the business say and and like Joe Casada always said it you know if people want it they'll vote with their wallet and they'll buy the books so yeah Star, want- Star
1: Wars Resistance comes out on DVD and Paul goes this will make a fine addition to my collection. And I was like probably one of like
0: 10 people who bought that. <laughs> <game>. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: collector's item. It's like the, the
0: Ewok, uh, you know, Battle for Endor and Caravan Courage DVD is out of print and everyone. So it goes on and, and the Clone sale. Wars micro
1: series. Mm-hmm. Hey, I've yeah. got those Clone Wars micro series DVDs. Goodness, yeah,
0: I have everything. Thank you, Kyle. I have Ewok film. <laughs> I'm a true Star Wars fan. So which, by the way, I'm we got to like have like a Patreon or something like that to like, basically just make kyle Watts these ewok films for being <laughs> a giant star wars fan you haven't seen the ewok films no i have not god what's wrong with you it's like it's like me saying man i love star wars so much and i love comics oh have you read like any star wars comics that come out the last like five years nope it's like what <laughs> it doesn't make any sense come on man i mean come... these are
2: Really hard to do a commentary on those because I think you and me Paul would just be waiting to hear Kyle's reaction on a lot of stuff he's gonna be seeing <laughs> in those we movies. First you first. guys are killing I would me.
0: love to get an impression, but I mean <laughs> we have to do something we have to do it some way. Maybe if this coronavirus goes long, we and we don't have as much news going forward. We have ideas now, right? Right, Kyle? Oh, we have ideas.
1: Come that on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I know listeners faithful listeners
1: where would i even where would i even get that
0: dude first of all i have uh, i can give you my login for amazon because i have them digitally on amazon now because i was smart and bought them immediately
1: they're still on there right they're still on there well see you could have just said that i didn't know (laughs) i I thought it was like the holiday special like out of print and stuff oh no 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 No,
0: you can get they're not great again they're only standard definition they haven't which again, I would I would kill for even a Blu-ray transfer of those bad boys. But, um, but again, I mean, and those are I, I love those movies. They're they're flawed and they're definitely TV movies for the of those days. But specifically, Battle for Endor is is I think way better than people give it credit for, in my opinion. So, see, I'm not a um,
2: Caravan of Courage.
0: <laughs> I, I love both. I really do. I think both are great. I think they're they're really fun family family films. And uh, but yeah. Faithful listeners, make Kyle watch these movies. We can all watch together. If you haven't seen them, bug Kyle to have us do that because that'd be a lot of fun to get everyone on the same page because those movies need to be respected and watched, gosh darn
1: it. Mm. See, everything you you tell me about them makes me not want to respect it and watch it. But I don't know. Maybe (laughs) It's something
2: you have to watch at least once. You have to experience it. Okay
0: first of all, they're not that bad. They are. I truly don't that bad. I mean, again, context is key. Yes, but and again, they're not going to have the special effects. They're they're not like it's okay. I'll say this. I I haven't even finished the holiday special. They are. They make the holiday special. The holiday special makes those look like Citizen Kane, man.
1: The holiday special makes everything look like Citizen Kane. The holiday special makes paint drying look like Citizen Kane. OK, uh,
0: I think I, I really do think that these films are way worth watching way, and actually way more entertaining and, and worthwhile than the holiday special. I truly believe that. And I actually do think they're like when I have kids, I can't wait to show them those movies, too, because I think they're, they are are a time, the timeless tale, some good messages in there. Again, they're not, they're not complete dog crap where it's like you're watching these uh you know, like, I can't believe, like, my, my brother doesn't like him. He's like, they haven't aged well. I'm like, yeah, but you're also a bitter, so whatever, you know. But I think most Star Wars fans will admit, like, yeah, they don't look amazing, but they're not, they're not that bad. It's, again, especially Battle least, for Endor.
2: I think you'll get uh, some, you'll appreciate the great creature designs that went it's the Absolutely.
0: Hmm. They're great designs. Again, the, there's a lot of stop motion stuff. That's probably, if you don't like stop motion, you're probably not going to like. You know, and I and I say stop motion. I mean, like really, really, really crude stop motion. You're not gonna like those movies. If you don't mind stop motion, then you're gonna have just a fun, a fine time with
2: those movies. Yeah, do, I don't mind do you think stop that's a motion. Fair... But
0: is that a fair assessment, Tim?
2: Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, but if, I, you have appreciation yeah, for it. You, you know, for the time of how exactly. good it was for a TV movie, also.
0: Yeah, mid '80s, man. Come on, I mean that's. <laughs> That's, that's saying something. And again, I, I truly do think if you have not seen those movies and you're curious if they're any good, they're not terrible. They're not like brilliant, but they're, they're a thing that entertaining enough to to enjoy. And they definitely feel Star Wars to me. It's and again, especially Battle for Endor. So um, don't like, honestly, I'd watch Battle for Endor over the um, Clone Wars movie in a heartbeat. No hesitation to ask. <laughs> I
2: don't know if I'll say that, but...
0: <laughs> I would. And in a heartbeat. I, 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 I truly love Battle for Endor. And it, not just because it's, it, it's a nostalgia kick. But anyway. So, Yeah. This was a. This is the this conversation I needed to have. By the way, so, you know, I'm serious regarding the High Republic. This was great. oh, oh High Republic.
1: I thought you're. I thought you. the Ewoks?
2: I I do love how the conversation went from High Republic into the Ewok movies. I think not just a caper
1: on it. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. How did this happen? We're smarter than this. Whoa, 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 whoa. Walk that back, sir. Walk that back. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that because I'm like, wait. How did we get on no, this? I, I know. I know. But yeah, that was that. – thank you
0: everyone for indulging me on The High Republic. I know I warned Kyle Macav like, a lot to say about this, and that's why we pushed it out one more week because I said I got a lot I want to say. So, well, that's
1: fine because I had a lot to say back.
0: And, and this was – and I feel like this was a great conversation, and I'm really hoping you all enjoyed it as much as I did because I – I mean, you being me the audience. I know you guys have to enjoy it regardless, but, um, but, uh, but no, I, I really feel that there, there's, there's a lot to be said and I'm, I'm really excited and I can't wait to take this journey. I'm hoping, I'm assuming we're all going to read that first book at least, and we can kind of review and kind of go from there. I'm assuming yeah. that's
1: my Kyle, plan. That's the plan. I'm going to give it a chance. Plus it's, 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 it helps that it's written by Charles Sewell who has earned my respects.
0: Yeah, I think if that, which by the way, really quickly, that is, I will say the the lineup as far as what they're doing, with the exception of Claudia Gray writing the the middle grade novel, which I'm really excited about because Claudia Gray, I think, is the most consistent writer of um, of all. Which, by the way, if you guys, I've I recently just started reading the Lost Stars manga uh, comics, oh, and I've never. That. Dude, I, I'm not gonna lie. I I'm not a manga fan. Like, meaning I, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not. I, this it's, is my first it's, manga.
1: That's obvious from the fact that you call it manga.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, think, what, what is it called? Manga. Manga. <laughs> manga. manga <regardless. laughs> tomato, tomato. Tomato. Whatever. No, I I apologize. Uh, ma- wait. It's how do you pronounce it again? Manga. Manga. manga I
1: apologize. I like, do just, apologize. Just think of mango and then don't say that. Okay, mango. <laughs>
0: Oh God, see, look at God. God. <laughs> I can't wait to read the again. Uh, <laughs> see, this is why I I literally have never have any I've never had any inclination to read those comics. I just, I'm not a big fan of the art style. Just anime in general has never appealed to me. Again, I'm not against it, but this is my first time diving into that specific offshoot of comic books. And I gotta say, I loved it. And, um, I thought it was, it took a little bit of getting used to, it's pretty different as far as where you're reading from a different, you know, different perspective. But that being said, I loved, um, the adaptation of lost stars by Claudia Gray. It's beautiful. And it, it, I love lost stars book. And to me, this, this adaptation is perfect. And, um, I read the first one a couple weeks ago. And I'll probably read. It, I'll I'll probably read it in a couple of weeks uh, after when I get back to the coffee shop when everything goes back to normal, hopefully soon. But um, but yeah, like Claudia Gray writing the middle grade novel. I mean, come on, like she's great. She's written the best some of the best Star Wars stuff out there right now. And um, I haven't read Justina uh, Ireland. I think that's her name. I haven't mm-hmm. read anything from her really. Um, as far I not She wrote the Lando's Luck uh, novel, which I have not read um and then uh what's what's the other guy's name the uh caravan Car- 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 oh my gosh this guy last name scott He's oh cavin scott stories. yeah got, I, I want to talk, I, see caravan Kevin i was got ewoks on the mind <laughs> Kevin scott he wrote the dooku book which right. i thought was solid or the, the dooku um uh, audio uh uh whatever play whatever you want to call it yeah um I thought that was that that was not terrible. I, again I, I I don't think it was the best. It was okay. Um, he's writing the comic book, the Marvel Comic, which is a little surprising. So Charles Noel, uh, no. Charles Soule is writing the book, the, the main uh novel, and then he's writing Kevin Scott's writing the uh the Marvel comic. And then uh Jose Older, uh is writing the uh, IDW comic book, which is a little more uh, generated towards uh, younger readers. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's, which again, Jose older wrote last shot. So it's just weird that some of these people are writing, like who write novels or writing in the comics, and people writing the comics, writing the novels. And it's just kind of, again, I'm not saying they can't, they have to stick to their, their main mediums. It's going to be interesting. I, I think Charles Soule is going to be good regardless, but it is going to be interesting, but I can't wait. And I and again, it'll be maybe this will be a precursor to Charles Soule. You know, the go from novels to maybe it'll get him a crack at a screenwriting credit because that dude needs to write Star Wars for a long time. He's he's maybe one of the best ever. He's phenomenal. And so, uh, which is this a good segue, Kyle? Uh,
1: yeah, actually, you know, I, I was thinking we were going to talk about some other stuff after this, but I was like, you know, while we're on a publishing kick. Um, let's just talk about Star Wars comics for a second. Um, and especially talking about Charles Sewell doing, you know, this novel and stuff. He obviously wrote the, the Vader comics. Um, and so when I saw that he was writing the rise of Kylo Ren, who of course is my favorite character from the sequel trilogy and, you know, want to know more about him and stuff, I dived right into that. I didn't even wait for the paperback to come out, which I thought I was going to do. I've read all these comics, uh, digitally, um, And probably still going to get that paperback when it comes out, honestly, because, you know, it's only one one volume or whatever. Um, But, yeah, so let's talk about that for a second. And then, Paul, I know you want to talk about, you know, just just comics in general. But, um, yeah, what did you guys think overall about and we can we'll, we'll give a spoiler warning here. So if you haven't, if if you're not up to date on the rise of Kylo Ren comics, um, and you don't don't want to know what happens, maybe skip ahead a bit. Uh, But uh, yeah, Tim, I think you and I were kind of on the same page about this, where you know we had high hopes for this going in, and was it was pretty cool. Definitely had some great moments, but left us wanting more.
2: Yeah, I thought it started off phenomenally. The first two issues I thought were fantastic. I mean, getting that inside look of what happened immediately after Kylo or Ben's confrontation with Luke at the Jedi temple, finding out the aftermath of that and him immediately going to Snoke and learning more about Snoke and his garden planet <laughs> that it looked like in there. So all that stuff was cool. And then the second issue, that's probably my favorite out of all of them getting to see Luke Skywalker this, just make a fools out of the Knights of Ren. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was just amazing to see Luke do that. And I don't want to go into the whole thing, this is the Luke we should have gotten in the movie or whatnot. Like, no, this wasn't the story they were telling. it. But in this particular story with Ben Solo and Luke as a Jedi Master and seeing him do that, it was just really, really cool to see. But I just don't think the final two issues quite stuck the landing as far as Exploring all they could have with Ben's descent into Kylo Ren and just becoming the Kylo Ren that we saw in the movies. If anything, it just screamed that this series should have been longer. I mm-hmm. mean, definitely longer than four, but I easily think they could have gone the same length that Charles Soule did with the Dark Vader series, which was uh, forty-nine, I think, issues was somewhere in the mm, mid or something like 40s. that. Didn't quite hit fifty, but it was over forty. Yeah, But there is definitely some more material I think they could have played with and explored with Ben Solo becoming Kylo Ren because my biggest issue with the final issue was really just how quickly everything seemed to happen and just how at the very last few pages he had to make sure we've got check off these points of what we need to see Ben Solo do to become Kylo Ren except one big thing which was get his now iconic mask but we had to see him you know, defeat uh, the previous uh, Master of the Knights of Ren, him get his uh, light, his cross guard lightsaber, which I felt was, I want to say, my biggest disappointment, but one of the things that felt a little too convenient, I guess, because it was a cool moment in the issue where he's bleeding the kyber crystal from his lightsaber, making it, you know, getting it the red uh, blade, but it's so, it doesn't go, pretty much bleeds it too much, <laughs> where he burns his hand, the crystal's unstable. He can't put it in the hilt It just the whole hilt becomes unstable and breaks off. And obviously that we've kind of heard some stuff about that before. That's why he had to get the cross guard lightsaber so it could sustain his unstable kyber crystal. But it just sent like, okay, his original lightsaber hilt was busted. Oh, what's this on the table? A cross guard lightsaber. That's convenient. I'll stick the kyber crystal in there. It was either that or he because I didn't get the impression, but I saw other people talk about how he still built the crossguard lightsaber like the materials were on the knights of wren ship already and he just put it together but still even that still feels a little lackluster to me i think it could have been a real cool story to see kylo realizing he needs a new lightsaber hilt, knowing it can't just be any old lightsaber hilt, and he goes on this journey to find these old crossguard lightsabers that were used in the old republic era maybe he could have gone to Malachor to find one of those blades. Just more of a journey to see him get that now iconic lightsaber because it, it is a big part of Kylo Ren's character. And for him just to kind of see it and pick it up on a table and that's it. It was like, really?
1: Okay, <laughs> hang on, hang on. Because I'm I'm actually looking at the page on the comics app right now. Okay. And I think maybe and this this does all happen pretty quickly at the end of the episode. But it seems pretty clear to me at least he doesn't just pick it up off the table. He's he just modifies it. So what happens is so he puts the the kyber crystal in his hilt, his you know, his lightsaber hilt that he had as Ben Solo. He turns it on and basically because the blade is unstable like it shorts out the, the lightsaber hilt and he picks it up and he looks at it and he goes hmm and then the next thing you see is him holding the cross guard saber and so I assumed he just you know he was he was problem solving you know he looked at it and goes, okay obviously this can't sustain that amount of energy and then he just tinkered with it right there and and added those vents to the side of it um yeah I but it makes it pretty clear if you look at the design like when he's when he's holding his busted one, There's like a a pretty distinctive, almost like a gash in the front of it from where it it burns out. And then that same thing is on his new one.
2: Yeah, and you're right. It just felt that way to me as I'm reading it, where it just sounds so convenient. Even though he did modify it, like it automatically, I don't know, he had the parts to do that with it on the ship already. I just think it would have been much better as a journey for his character to kind of search out that type of lightsaber uh, hilt. And try to find her because of it being such an ancient design. kind of it's a similar. maybe he didn't want to repeat himself, but kind of how Darth Vader and Charles Souls run there, the first Arc was him trying to build his new Sith lightsaber. Mm. So maybe he didn't want to do the same thing, but I think it would have been a little more better for Kyle to do just do a little more for him to get that lightsaber. Just left a little too quick and a little too convenient for me. but uh, just but overall, the way the story and things play yeah. out. I really enjoyed a lot what this is how Ben descended into the dark side and just the conflict that he was going through. I just loved how he described himself as being someone who was destined for the light side and the dark side. And just what can that do to a young kid at this point, not knowing his destiny and being expected by, so or he's being expected of so much for so many people from the dark side and the light side, it seems to him. So it does make sense how he can go down the path he did. But again, just certain things played out a little too quickly to me. And I felt could have been explored more easily in a longer series if we got one. But overall, definitely very solid. I thought it started off great. It just didn't quite stick the landing. I just felt first two great issues and then three and four were just good, but not great. With the last one, some minor disappointments that I had with it. But still a lot of great moments in that last issue too. I mean, that moment where... Kylo or Ben is fighting um, Ren as they're falling down this chasm and almost every strong force sensitive person in the galaxy is feeling it as mm-hmm. going into you know the line of the force awakens you know there's been an awakening the dark side and the light just how all these different characters are feeling it. no Palpatine Leia even Ray on Jakku I thought was a really nice touch so definitely some great moments in there just mixed in with some disappointments but overall uh, definitely it's a must read for Star Wars fans and fans of Kylo Ren to find the or learn about the journey he took right after the destruction of the Jedi Temple and this confrontation with Luke and just how we got to or at least a little bit of the story of how we got to that point to what we see him in The Force Awakens. So, yeah, definitely still a must read, I think.
1: Yeah. And see, I think I was I mean, I had some disappointments, too, but in, in different areas because um, I actually thought it was pretty cool seeing him get the lightsaber at the end there. Um, but like you said, I just felt like they could have done more with it. I would have liked to see him get the helmet as well, but I also wanted, I feel like for me, if they had stretched this out into a longer series, I wanted more backstory. I wanted to see it like, it, cause this was supposed to be the story of him going from Ben to Ren, right? And I wanted to see more of the Ben before all the, you know, stuff hit the fan, um, like more of him training with Luke, but also I really wanted to know like kind of where, like where snoke came from like i know we know obviously he's he was created by palpatine but like how did it would have been cool to see him and uh ben meet for the first time or kind of know more about like what his plans were for ben or sort of what their their relationship was like before all this went down i mean it was cool to see that he fled the jedi temple and then went to uh then went to snoke um But I don't know, I just would have liked to see more of their relationship before all this and also see, you know how Luke says, like, there was darkness in him, like, I sensed it at moments in his training, and so that's why I went to confront him. I would have liked to maybe see a little bit more of that, too. Like, Mm -hmm. see, see him as Ben Solo on the light side, but see some of that darkness breaking through that would build up to that moment with Luke. And then, of course, you see, I mean, you see that moment play out Uh, he comes out of the hut with Luke and then, I mean, obviously again, spoilers here, like the big twist reveal in that first issue was that he wasn't even the one that destroyed the Jedi temple. Like this big bolt of lightning comes out of nowhere and just burns it down. And you assume that it's obviously either Snoke or Palpatine that caused that to happen, but that's really kind of like glazed over. Like I would have liked to see kind of more of the ramifications of that. Um, As far as him like searching for answers as to what happened or like because I mean Snoke doesn't even like admit that he did it or anything like that when he's talking to him later. I mean that feels like kind of a big reveal like oh my gosh so that wasn't actually Kylo who did that and then it just feels like it's never really addressed or brought up again.
2: See Um, I'm remembering correct me if I'm wrong but was it in the third issue I thought Kylo says something where he mentions that he destroyed the temple himself. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but I thought there yeah, was no, a point. I think
0: he does. He I says, see. you know what I did, or something like that To when he's before he kills Jai. Is that his name?
1: Well, yeah, and I thought, but I thought he was maybe either, like, just kind of accepting the blame for it, or, he like, he he knows that they're chasing him because they think he did that. I don't know. Maybe I should go take a look at it again, because at least I got the impression from that first issue that he didn't do that.
2: Yeah, from the first issue, I think they definitely kind of made you question it at the very least, that maybe he wasn't responsible. But again, I, I got to reread all just all these four issues in one sitting. I think you would definitely yeah. get a better idea of the story and how things flow. But I'm pretty sure he did mention something about him owning up to or admitting that he did destroy the temple. But again, I have to reread it.
1: Yeah. And I think my one <laughs> other gripe with it, I mean, it makes sense because this came out around the time of Rise of Skywalker. And I think they wanted to have this heavily kind of tie in and have you see that character of Ben Solo and that he's kind of been there all along and that he wasn't always just, you know, this monstrous killer of mm. Kylo Ren. But I almost feel like he didn't go far enough to the dark side. Like, he keeps coming up against all these Jedi and he either, like, there's one that he kind of kills by accident and then others that yeah. he, like, refuses to kill. And then, the like, the only person in the issue that he really kind of murders is Ren. Um... And and Ren is the one who, you know, was kind of, I mean, he was the one that was kind of g- trying to goad Ben into like mercilessly killing people the whole time anyway. So it really just almost kind of feels like a conflicted hero defeating a villain, you know, like a, well, a, a bad-ish guy defeating a badder guy when he kills him. And so it doesn't really feel like he's done anything really evil to like solidify, oh, he's on the dark side now.
2: Well, he did kill that one last Jedi after he killed Ren. Um, she was the one who was oh that's true that's true.
1: well no no. and uh, but so that's what made it feel like like why was killing Ren the turning point you know what I mean like that would be like um, I don't know like Anakin killing Count Dooku in Revenge of the Sith obviously that was a dark moment where he executes him but that was not the turning point mm -hmm. that turned Anakin to the dark side but that was it kind of felt like a similar situation with Ben defeating Ren, if you will. Like, it it felt akin to Anakin killing Count Dooku and then being like, I'm a Sith Lord now. (laughs) And it's like, well, yeah, that wasn't the right thing to do, but also, like, he was a bad guy. You were kind of supposed to kill him. So what's, like, really evil about that?
0: So I I find myself very much in the middle of kind of everyone in this conversation, because I don't think it was as good as I wanted it to be, but I don't think it was not even close to being bad, which I don't think you guys are saying that either.
1: No, no, no. But of course not. I, I think my main issue is like, I enjoyed, I very much enjoyed what we got. I just felt like there's a lot more to the character that I still want answers about. And I feel like there's a, and, and, and and, I mean, that's, it's hard to, to knock a story for being like, Oh, well, this was a good story, but they didn't tell this other story that I wanted. And so therefore it's bad. And that's not what I'm saying, but I do feel like with this being kind of our first big canon material, that's really diving into the backstory of Kylo Ren and showing how he went from Ben Solo to Kylo Ren. I feel like they could have shown more. I think one of the things that, you you touched on right there is that you're right.
0: We don't have enough about Ben solo and there is a lot, a lot to be explored. And I I think they, again, going back to the, our previous conversation about a think tank, this is where a think tank would have really been nice. You could really develop and really give us a lot of meaty, juicy things. Cause I think it's very telling that we only got a four issue series. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. you when we get four issues, I want you all to realize that when, when you're developing comics, they usually come out between five and six issues. That's usually the the run of a, of a storyline, because you think about it, a trade you want people to invest in a, in a in a story, and a trade's a kind of a meaty kind of thing, right? And you can't really do it. Two issues is only two comics. That's basically that's basically a, a double sized issue. Three comics, it's an annual almost, right, Tim?
1: Yeah, with four issues,
0: that's like probably the, the absolute lowest page count number you could put into a trade and, and theoretically charge people a trade price and get away with it. So, and the reason why I say all that is probably, again, going back to J.J. Abrams and all them, and again, I and you all know I love Rise of Skywalker. I love that movie to death. I will die on, I will die for Rise of Skywalker and the Star Wars fandom. I don't care. I'll fight all of you. Um, <laughs> you too, Kyle. Uh, but no. Hey, uh, well, no. I'll, I'll die for last Jedi. Let's go. Uh, yeah, you will. You will die. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but uh, the thing is the problem is obviously I think here's what I, I'm just going to go ahead and guess Lucasfilm probably came to JJ and, and said, listen, we got our publishers. Our extent, we need to sell some Rise of Skywalker stuff, man. We need to put out some books. We need to put out some comics and give us some stuff we can expand on. He was like, "Oh, okay, you know." And they they probably he probably said, "Okay, this is what kind of generally what I'm what I'm thinking." And then they probably went to Charles Soule and said, "Hey, get, will you here's here's the parameters? Pitch us an idea, and we'll give you know something like that." JJ I one I, I don't have any inside information, but I can 100% guarantee JJ had to sign off on this like there's no way JJ's just gonna like. oh He's way too connected at this point with everything and well, consider- the fact
2: that Palpatine was in the last issue. He had to be exactly involved yeah and one, of the things that,
0: and one of the things I didn't realize is that how last-minute everything was on this comic because they weren't even done because I thought like in my mind they, they've been working on this comic forever uh, they didn't even really start. I don't think the artist had started it up until like the couple months before or something like that. It was crazy. And or something like that. It was not a lot of leg time. So, like you said, Tim, the fact that Palpatine's in it makes it, and it's only four issues. I think that they probably said, hey, we want, we got to put out a comic book. You got to pitch us an idea. And here's the parameters. Here's kind of roughly what happens. And then. Charles probably wrote the, you know, the treatment up and they gave it to JJ. JJ JJ said, yeah, we're good with that. And they went with it. And so I think the problem is, is that there wasn't enough development to really give us a meaty story because they wanted to throw something out there. They also want, they knew people were hungry for uh, some Ben Solo stuff and to get, get us some kind of insight of everything. And I think we all agree, we got a decent amount of insight, just not enough inside. Yeah. It, that we'd want to whet our appetites with. And so now that everything's been told, there's no spoilers, you don't have to worry about this, and then that like, J.J. is pretty much out, he's not coming back to Star Wars, Lucasfilm needs to really now give the fans what they want, because, let's be real, I'm not saying everyone loves Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, but I'd say 95% of people love Kylo Ren, Ben Solo. I mean, nine, I would most Star Wars fans would agree that he's the He's the old one, Kenobi of the sequel trilogy, meaning he's pretty much the fan favorite across the board. Like, yeah. I don't think anyone has a problem with Kylo Ren at all. Whether it be Adam Driver, he's an amazing actor. I think he's the best written character of all the three films combined. Um, he has the best arc, I think. And my again, and are I, I would say Ray and him are tied. I, I would say I love Ray and Rise of Skywalker. She really I think that movie saves that thing for me, as we all know. But that being said, I think he's the most consistently well-written character of all the movies. I think everyone usually loves that or likes that character. I think what I'm saying is you can now, and he's the most mysterious still. You don't really know what you know exactly, you know, what happened after the the Rise of Kylo Ren comic. And what's interesting. Is that we you know it's only four issues, and we don't know where it goes after that. It could easily keep going, and it's sad that it won't. And we all wish that it would because there's so much more to do with the character. So for me, I, I, as far as the comic goes, I like the comic. um I, I thought it was pretty I thought it was pretty good. Was it amazing? No, but it wasn't. It, I would say was it was a great. I'd say it's borderline. It's almost there. I to, also, I haven't reread it all the way through. And I may not do that until I get the trade. I have it all digitally, but I kind of want to get it down, sit down with it as an actual comic. And as you all know, I'm a giant comic book reader. I'm I'm a huge comic book fan. So I want to actually sit down with it and physically and look at it from like where where it's meant to be from a physical standpoint from, you know, not doing panel to panel, which I love panel to panel, but sit down, really embrace it from the medium perspective and see what, you know, how it reads as a whole together and go from there. But I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I definitely think it had some issues here or there. It wasn't, it just didn't feel as the flow. It didn't flow. I thought as well as his Vader series did, or e- even as, as much as, as other series like Lando or, or even Poe Dameron tie points. So, um, but again, that being said, I thought everything else was pretty good. Um, I, I, I thought that it, again, it was, it was a borderline great story. I could, it could be great after a reread, but we'll see. But yeah, I, I liked it. It definitely had some issues, I thought, but I don't necessarily think they're all on Charles. I think probably it's because of just lack of direction and just last-minute kind of decisions affecting his story. So, yeah, it, it, rem- it remains to be seen. You know, if this will you know stand the test of time of being a definitive great Ben Solo story. I think we need to live with it and live with the movie a little bit as far as Rise of Skywalker. But yeah, I think I definitely think it's worth. If you like. Ben Solo or if you like the sequel trilogy you definitely gotta check this comic out
1: oh yeah it's it's definitely worth a read just don't expect it to answer all of your questions or include all the stuff that you're hoping it will include um, you know if, if you're a big Kylo Ren fan and and want uh, you know a lot of backstory and a lot of answers about stuff that we don't know about him yet um, but yeah definitely definitely still worth a read um, yeah but uh, anyway, I mean, Paul, I know you wanted to talk about some stuff just related really to, to Star Wars comics in general and, and what they're doing yeah. right now. This is the only one that I've read recently. I'm, as you know, very selective. But when I find one that I like, I'll That's jump blood on blood it. Blood I, I, read, I read all of The Age of Republic. I read... Uh, really,
0: I'm proud of you. That's awesome. I'm honestly. pretty sure.
1: Now, and those ones I didn't buy. This was actually during a period... Um, I had to take my car in for service like a oh, couple God. times within, you know, a period of a couple months or whatever. And the the auto body shop that I go to is like right next to a big shopping center that has a Barnes and Noble. So I would drop my car off, walk over to the Barnes and Noble for a couple hours and just sit there and read, you know, all the way through a couple of those uh, um, Age of Republic comics. As long as you read them, doesn't matter how. Yeah.
0: It. Yeah. You know, I don't care if you're stealing, like you're saying you're doing, you know, I, but,
2: uh, I was reading, not
0: stealing. Oh, uh, well, you, some people would say that's stealing, but anyway, no, I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, everyone does that. Right. So I, I, I just, again, I know I've talked a lot in this episode and like, I usually talk a lot. And I apologize. Uh, again, Tim, thank you for sacrificing a lot for me today. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> you're but, wonderful. uh, I, I love you guys, as you know. Um, but I, I wanted to kind of say that um, I, I, you all know I love comics. I'm a, I am mean, it's it's my thing. Uh, not manga, but comics, right? And I see I said it right. right. Hey, hey it there it you right. go. <laughs> Girl! Uh, but I, I love comics. And I, I will say, I, I definitely – tend to be a little biased towards them as far as my preference of Star Wars consumption of what I prefer to read comics or read Star Wars on, whether it be novels or or, or comics over novels or whatever. That being said, not every comic has been great or series has been great. I've definitely been, I've definitely criticized certain things. And I would say for the most part, the comics have been pretty solid. In my opinion, there's definitely been some low points, um, I definitely feel that the novels have not been at, up to the standard or I will say the comics have seemed to matter more as far as the storylines for them and not every comic or every, compared to every book. But I'd say overall, the comics has seemed to be a lot more conducive to, to the pushing the narrative forward as far as Star Wars or big things happening anyway. But I – I wanted to bring up something that kind of came to notice um, this last couple of weeks uh, or last couple of months, I should say, is that Star Wars comics have kind of shifted a little bit. Now, they've rebooted everything. They just restarted the Star Wars, the main Star Wars series, which takes place right after Empire Strikes Back. And and I didn't. It just kind of dawned on me. I didn't realize this because c- I'm an idiot, to be quite honest. Um, but I knew Darth Vader. Also, the new they rebooted Darth Vader. That's minus Charles Soule. It's been written by uh, Greg Pak now. Um, that's all. That's obviously taking place the same time as Star Wars, right after Empire Strikes Back, which is also being written by Charles Soule. So you have Charles Souls writing the main Star Wars series. Greg Pack, who wrote who uh, wrote the last Star Wars arc in the main Star Wars series. He shifted over to Darth Vader. He's responsible for Planet Hulk, which is a great Hulk story. Um, I think it's one of the better ones out there, um, and I, I love it. And he's responsible for other great stories, but that's probably his best-known work. Great stuff. Great comic book writer. Um, and then you also have the uh, Bounty Hunter book. Uh, which I found out was an ongoing series. I thought it was a mini series. And then I realized listening to the um, Star Wars Splash Page podcast, which I'm a huge fan of, by the way, De- definitely check those guys out. Uh, I- Matt had said that, oh, yeah, this ongoing blah, blah, blah. And I went, wait, 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 this is this an ongoing? Got that confirmed. That blew my mind. And we have the new Dr. Afra series, which I think Aphra, um, after Steven Spurrier took over, which I was not a big fan of Gillen's uh, initial work on that series. When Stephen Spurrier came, uh, took over, he really showed me how great the character can be. And I fell in love with that. He, he's not writing the character anymore, but it's a new, new team. I forgot the team. I apologize. But I wanted to bring that all up because – I really do think the comics have really the the quality is really really riding higher right now. Um, Charles Soule is four issues deep into the Star Wars series, and it's been a lot of fun, and it's been really really cool. What yeah. kind of new story he's telling. I mean, um, it's
2: Exactly what that so title it, needed. <laughs> he needed Charles it,
0: Soule. <laughs> I, I think Greg Pak. I I thought he did a, a good job at the at the end. Um, was I think okay. Dylan. I, For me, I, I like. Yeah, I liked it. Certain I aspects Gil-
2: I did, certain aspects I did
0: I think Gillen was way went on way too long in the main series. He was on. He, I like Gillen. I think his Darth Vader run was pretty good, for the most part. But his Star Wars run was we're talking up and down like a roller coaster, man. Yeah. And I, he was he needed to jump off like 12 issues. Oh, he was on 12 issues too long. But I thought Greg Pak did a better job. I think overall in his short tenure than than Gillen on the main series, in my opinion. But so great pack moved. And then so Charles Soul is doing great work as we all know, as he does on any, almost any star Wars comic, he's doing great work in there is it Darth Vader level. Not necessarily, but it's not, it's good. It's, it's up there. It's, it's not quite Lando level. I'd say it's right beneath that right now, which is saying a lot. Cause those are really, really good.
2: And, and it definitely has time to get there too.
0: Exactly. And I think that it's, it's better than Poe Dameron's midpoints, And it's on the level of, poe dameron's high points if that makes sense because i thought poe dameron was pretty good when it was high and i think right now as far as quality this is good star wars storytelling you're gonna get a lot if you especially especially if you love the original trilogy he's doing great work of, of extending out that mythology and developing lando and his relationship with the characters of the of the uh of the saga so yeah definitely definitely worth checking out so that and then something that i was really skeptical of was which was darth vader um being written by Greg Pack, you know, picking up from again Charles Soul's legendary, in my opinion, now Darth Vader run. Uh, two issues in, I'm all in. He has Same. done a, a phenomenal yeah. job. Tim, you want to say anything about Darth Vader?
2: It's just it's been great. I mean, couldn't expect it to be on a level of Charles Souls just yet, but I think it's a very solid continuation of what Charles Soul oh. did to the character and just exploring. These different aspects of Vader and where his mind's at right now after the events of the Empire Strikes Back, which is a very interesting time to be in Vader's head after revealing to Luke he's his father. And plus, it stars Vader teaming up with some Death Troopers. I wish that gets explored a little more, but just seeing them together is a cool visual. But I don't know how far you want to get into spoilers with this, but... Don't spoil. It. Don't
0: don't spoil. It. Let what's what's what promote the comics. There was really, definitely really... a
2: big tease at the end of issue one, which could have gone very badly, in my opinion. Yes, but it pulled off and it worked really well in the oh. second issue. It just made me more excited for future issues I know. in the series. So. I,
0: I'm not gonna lie. Like so, the ending and again. I'm not gonna spoil it. You got to read it, people, because I thought. And here's the problem. I I say problem because it's you know I don't really think it's a problem, but I would say the issue, wink, wink, uh, of (laughs) of these uh, with with this with this comic mainly is that ending. But of the first issue, but with that second, the problem is when you have comics that come out monthly, you have to wait. So it kind of the storytelling is kind of joint is is tilted a little bit, and you're kind of like even as a, a hardcore comic fan like me and Tim are. It does. It doesn't always flow well. Some stories flow better when they're read all at once. Some don't matter. And I was very skeptical how this was going to read right into the next issue. And I gotta say, I gotta say, Tim, as, as you're you're the same as me. I was blown away how good that second issue was, and yeah. it made everything make sense. And I went, mm-hmm. "Oh, get it." And in, in fact, it made me go, "Wow, I love where he's going with this." And if you guys are wondering what we're talking about seriously, pick up those two issues. I think you're going to enjoy it. I really, really like what what Greg Pak's doing. And like I said, there's a little, It started off a little weird for me in that first issue. But now that I've read the second issue, things make a lot more sense. I love these different ideas. And again, Greg Pak is a comic veteran. This dude knows how to write comics. And now if you read that comic, like as again, me and Tim both love it. It, it, Takes It really exposes the medium in a great light, in my opinion. Like really shows you what how powerful this medium can be. Um, it's great comic book storytelling, straight up. Um, and then you've got Bounty Hunters, which, Tim, you haven't picked up yet.
2: No, and I know I'm Kyle has not either. because Curious to world. hear what your thoughts on it, because it was something where it could be cool, but not necessarily going to buy it right away yet. But okay, I know okay. you've you got some positive things about it, just from right, right, right. chatting to you a little bit before we recorded. So I'm yeah, interested yeah. to hear why. So here's a deal.
0: I this is an ongoing series, and it what I didn't realize I thought it was a mini series about uh, the Valance character, which that's a character that was brought back from the Marvel comic series that was in Legends. They made him canon, in which you look at him, he looks like a Terminator reject, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it. But he actually his appearance actually predates the Terminator, by the way. Um, and but regardless, is he actually is, uh, the the, Vader, the the Target Vader series that he kind of came back in is great. Uh, way, one of the biggest surprise comics of probably the last five years was the Target Vader series. I'm not going to lie, people. If you like Darth Vader and you're kind of like, but Target Vader, eh, d- read it. It's great. I was really, really impressed with it. And it reintroduced the Valance character and made me really like the character. It really is it, it, different than the original Legends version, but anyway, going to this Bounty Hunters comic, I thought it was just a continuation of Target Vader, kind of like how like the miniseries for a while had like you had Leia, yeah Chewbacca, and it kind of went you know through a line of people whatever like Lando, mm-hmm. and it it was basically an ongoing but through a miniseries kind of style. I was kind of like, eh, it's probably what it, what it is, but no, it's, it's fully on an ongoing series about bounty hunters. So it's probably going to intertwine different characters in there, which is really cool. And that's what it is. It like it's literally bounty hunters, and it's it's about Boba Fett, Boss, You know, Boba Fett, Boss and and Valance are all main characters, plus new characters that you've never met before. And I gotta say, it's a little, it's it's not like the best first issue in the world, but it's. Super super solid and way better than I was anticipating. And the fact that it's an ongoing and some of the stuff they talk about. And I'm not gonna spoil anything other than this actually takes place still in the same era as the other two books. So that means Star Wars, Darth Vader, and Bounty Hunters all take place right after Empire Strikes Back. Just gonna leave it there.
2: Okay, so so, so that automatically Makes me more inclined to check it out with Boba Fett being involved and knowing yes. <laughs> him just getting on solo. And exactly.
0: So. I'm just gonna leave. I, I I just gonna leave that there. And so with that said, what does that mean? I think it sets up for a crossover event just like Vader Down, which was very good, by the way. That I think that's one of the better Star Wars crossover comic crossovers. Way better than Screaming Citadel. Ugh. Oh boy. <laughs> that was good intentions. Good intentions, but. Not good at execution. But anyway, I don't want to talk too bad about that series completely. But my point is that you're, that's probably why they're all in the same era. And I think I also think when Afra gets released next month, it'll also be in the same era as well. So the re- reason I want to bring those up to, p- to you all is that to say that these comics are all very, very like good. Like I have to say, like, I had not been able to say that all the way. In, and this, that's three Star Wars comics that are coming out. If you count Kylo Ren, that's four. And with Afra, which I'm assuming I like that character Afra now, I'm all in, and I'm, I'm hoping that it's it's it holds up. It probably will, I'm assuming. But even if it doesn't, three out of four is not bad. And but I I think Afra will. So I really got to recommend you all. If you guys are looking for more Star Wars content, these comics are great, man. And I gotta say, Bounty Hunters is way better than you're anticipating. I think it's setting up a really really interesting story. And I again, this is an ongoing series, so it's probably going to introduce lots of interesting new characters that we've never even seen before, even after this first issue. So I think there's a lot going on in this and that you're, I think people are going to like. And there's something for everyone. And I really do think that the the Darth Vader comic is solid. So I, I got to say, Star Wars comics are, you know, they they were inconsistent there for a minute. I think they're on an upward trajectory and now with the high republic comics coming out um and i haven't i don't really read the idw comics they're just they're just not they're too inconsequential other than me for my collection for my canon shelf they're just not they're just too inconsequential even though there is there is clone wars comics kyle that are coming out from i've seen IDW, that which you so i think you'll pick those up maybe we can talk about those if you'll read those but uh but yeah, I, I really do think, and 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 sounds like Tim, you kind of mostly agree with me because you've read at least you know two thirds of, of what we're talking. Yeah. I'm talking about. Um, yeah, if Tim's saying too, and we're both liking, we both are big fans of the comics. If we're saying yeah, pick these up. We you want to support this stuff? This is the stuff to check out because the Empire stuff is only enhancing it. And I thought that uh, I, yeah, like I said, I think it's worth checking out. If you if you want if you want to wait for uh, Marvel Limited then wait for marvel unlimited but if you want you know if you're looking for stuff now especially with the, in the times we're in and you're able to afford some you know a couple couple things definitely check it out guys it's super super solid and i really do think this is uh you'll enjoy it so support star wars comics right now i, I think you know support the good stuff you know vote with your wallet if you will so uh i vote with mine and i, I buy everything so don't listen to me um so uh <laughs> But, uh, but no, vote with your wallet. And if you like Bounty Hunters, just pick up Bounty Hunters. If you just like Vader, just pick up Vader. Vote with your wallet. and uh, But support it, though, because we want these people to keep making Star Wars stories that are good. Because you know what? It's commercialism, and it's commercialism that I like. So <laughs> let's support commercialism, right?
1: So thank you, uh, Kyle, for letting me have my little soapbox there. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Um, and of course, you know, right now, a lot of people got to survive with their wallet, but... Um, if you can vote with it and you got, you know, extra funds to spend on, uh, entertainment to keep yourself busy while you're stuck at home around the house during all this quarantine and stuff. Um, definitely good to know there's a lot of Star Wars comics out there, uh, that are, that are good quality and worth reading. Um, now last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up here, uh, is of course the Clone Wars. Um, which we talked about on our last episode and we talked about kind of the first couple episodes of the new season. Um, and I just wanted to give some more kind of brief thoughts on it now that we are through the first four episodes. We're done with the Bad Batch arc. Um, and they released a an official like TV spot. Uh, basically like a one minute little mini trailer for the next arc that's coming up with Ahsoka. Uh, which looks really good. I mean the... the animation continues to look fantastic, even just from this short little one minute trailer. And it looks almost even better than it did in the bad batch arc. Um, so really looking forward to seeing Ahsoka again, that episode will be up tomorrow. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it'll be available already by the time this episode actually goes out, but, um, yeah, it'll be great to, to see her again and see what she's up to down in the underworld of Coruscant, uh, where she's going to meet these two sisters. um, they get in some trouble with some underworld gangs and stuff. And then they, they end up going off planet. So I'm really interested to see like where the rest of that story is going to take them. Um, because we know, and we've all seen that clip of like a on the speeder bike and she's going down in the big giant, like sinkhole in Coruscant that goes down to the lower levels. And then the bike starts crapping out on her and she crashes on the landing pad and stuff. So that's how it's going to start. But I'm interested to see, uh, once she meets up with those sisters and once they get their ship and go off to wherever they're going. I'm interested to see like where that story goes from there. Um, and I think this is where I, I think she's going to probably end up meeting bo somewhere in this story arc. And that's going to then dovetail into Siege of Mandalore. Um, but, you know, just in terms of the the first four episodes that we got. I love the Bad Batch arc. Um, it was a lot of fun. A great sort of reintroduction to the show. Um, probably wasn't my favorite clone-centric arc. I don't think it topped Umbara. Um, but, I mean, visually it was fantastic. Mm. We got a lot of great, you know, action scenes, obviously. Um, and some really great character moments, especially with between Rex and Anakin. Um, you know, I love that scene they added in there with uh, Anakin and Padme and, uh, you know, him talking about being away from her so long in the Outer Rim sieges and all that stuff. Um, and then, of course, the way that, uh, that Rex and Obi-Wan played off of that was great, too. Um, but then also in the final episode of the arc, like I said, it, great stuff with Rex, especially the final scene where uh, he encourages Echo to to go off and join the Bad Batch. And even though he's been kind of almost obsessing over him, like he thought he was dead and now he finds out he's back and, you know, everybody else wasn't, tr- you know, was thinking that Echo might be like a spy for the Separatists and Rex, Rex, you know, stuck up for him and defended him and was being like real protective of his friend. Um, and for him to be willing to just let him go at the end and be like, hey, you know, we're friends. We've been together a long time. But if you want to go off and join these guys and do your own thing and you feel like that's where you belong, go for it. Um, and I also love the music in this entire arc. And I love that the Bad Batch had their own theme. But there was also, I feel like, just the right amount of use by Kevin Kiner of the what's basically just the clone theme throughout the Clone Wars series. Mm-hmm. Um which is one of my favorite tracks, uh, just one of my favorite pieces of music from the series. Um, so I was glad that we heard plenty of that theme, especially during some of the more emotional moments. Um, so I thought, you know, it just continued to do what the Clone Wars has done a great job of all along of establishing the clones as individuals and uh, really developing like deep relationships and and identities that you can you know pick out and identify and and fall in love with certain characters when they're all identical um it just does a really good job of giving them all individual personalities and and relationships um so that was probably my favorite aspect of it but also i mean that last episode just had some amazing battle scenes too seeing mace windu and obi-wan take on all those droids. Uh, seeing the Y-wings making the bombing run on the separatist facility, seeing Wrecker, you know, charging down the hallway of the separatist dreadnought and you know just knocking over droids like a bowling ball, and then uh, Crosshair one-ups him where he sets up his little—so oh, cool! <laughs> what I don't know what these things are—these little pucks or whatever that he throws on the wall and his lasers bounce off of them. And so there's a whole bunch of battle droids coming down the hall and he throws all these things and then he fires one shot and it just ping pongs all the way down the hallway and takes out all the battle droids and Wrecker's all depressed that Crosshair got, you know, a cooler kill streak than he did. Um, And I will say, I mean, I, for the most part, I like the dynamics of, of the Bad Batch as a group and the individual personalities of the characters, um, at times, Wrecker felt like a little too cartoonish in, you know, in some of the previous episodes. But I will say, in uh, in the last episode, um, I feel like they saved the best for last. Like they were really clicking as a unit, and Recker had some genuinely funny moments that made me laugh. Um, so it was, like I said, I just a, a really fun arc overall. Um, great character moments, great action scenes. Uh, show looks better than ever, obviously um and it's just great to have clone wars back and i can't wait to see where they go next from here with ahsoka and then uh you know we're getting ever closer to the siege of mandalore which i'm just mentally and emotionally preparing myself for that to just completely (laughs) blow me away but also just trying to enjoy the ride with the rest of the season until we get there
2: yeah i mean before the we got our first episode i was when we learned about its premiere date on disney plus i was saying that's going to be so hard to wait every week to to get to the Siege of Mandalore, but we're already one arc done <laughs> and we're on to the next one. It's going by quick, so enjoying it while we can. But it was great to get the bad Batch arc. And I still gotta watch all four episodes in a row. I always do that with when a Clone Wars arc wraps up. So I probably do that maybe this weekend. But it was great. I said it before, I'll just say it again. I'm just so thankful that these episodes got finished because I'm as we're talking you're talking about it. Kyle, some of the cool moments from the last episode on finished business. It was talking. I was remembering uh, the panel that uh, the Frontlines podcast had at Celebration Anaheim, where the four were Michael Cohen, Matt Cranky, and you and me. Kyle were on the podium, and we were talking about the different experiences we've had at Celebration. And you and me were talking about watching The Bad Batch because we were the only ones on there who saw it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I just remember geeking out so much and talking about that moment on the ship with Wrecker and in particular Crosshairs and that awesome one-shot multiple kills that he got with that sequence. And I just remember loving that in the unfinished footage and now seeing it fully rendered and completed. I never thought I I was geeking out then and imagining how cool it would be to see it finished, and now I got it and it was just as cool and even cooler than I remember, obviously, with it being finished animation. So just seeing that final episode because that in that the first one, were the ones that stood out to me the most as far as what I remembered, because I've only watched the story reels twice, and obviously when at Celebration and then when it first debuted on StarWars.com. So it's been a while, but those first and last episodes were the ones that had the moments that I couldn't wait to see as finished episodes, and they more than delivered on that. And then just rewatching the whole arc again, getting that whole story of them. Finding Echo, and I mentioned this on our last episode, I like the little changes they made with Rex and his motivation to why he wants to find Echo um, than what was originally in the story reels. So that was great, and it made the ending more emotional than I think it did in the previous story reels where Rex does let Echo go to join up with the Bad bad. So all that stuff was just great. And again, so grateful that we got these episodes finished, but now I'm just really excited to get grand brand new clone wars that we haven't seen before mm-hmm. with this ahsoka arc and what has me even more excited about it if you watch the latest uh, clone wars download which is kind of the behind the scenes look they have on these episodes they put on StarWars.com, is how dave filoni described both these arcs as the first one the bad batch kind of being a little bit of a wrap-up not the full wrap-up for rex and then this one is going to be for ahsoka and then it all culminates into both of them meeting up in the Siege of Mandalore and that being their true ending. Because I just like how Dave described it as Clone Wars to him is about Rex and Ahsoka. So it only feels right that they each get kind of their own arcs to set up the big finale with the Siege of Mandalore. So I uh, just we got some great stuff with Rex that we just talked about in the Bad Batch. And I just know we're going to get more great stuff with Ahsoka and how she's dealing with not being part of the Jedi Order. But yet at the same time, I'm sure the circumstances in these next four episodes, like you said, Kyle, I have a feeling she'll probably meet up with Bo-Katan maybe here too, and just set up everything we're going to get in the siege of Mandalore and how it's going to wrap up the series and this, not necessarily the stories, but this point in the lives for these two characters in Rex and Ahsoka. So yeah, it was great to experience the bad batch and I'm more than ready to experience this next one with Ahsoka and just, be ready to have my mind blown for the seed to mandalore i'm sure so <laughs> some more great stuffs than had ahead of us for clone wars it's been great that it's back like you said
1: yeah definitely and and like you said too like it's as much as i love seeing the bad batch and having seen those story reels like to get it to get to see it in finished animation was amazing but i'm even more excited now for new episodes where we have no yeah. idea what's going to happen
0: yeah and quickly for me i I like the Bad Batch arc, but it's not my favorite. It looks incredible. I mean, it's it's easily the best looking episode overall. I think, because it's new and it looks insane. I mean, I am assuming the Soka arc will be. Well, I'll, I'll probably love it more just because I haven't already know already already have an idea of what happens and. I don't know, and you guys are probably more attached to the clones than I am. I, I like the clones a lot. I, I, I love, I mean, obviously, I love Rex, and but as far as like the, the the rookies episodes, which I really enjoyed and all them, but like I don't the characters in the in the clones themselves. I'm not like again, I like those characters, but I'm not as tied to them as much as you guys are. I think, and so the Bad Batch arc, even though I like the Bad Batch i'm not attached to those characters specifically either they're okay it's a a solid arc but it like i said the the animation's jaw-dropping it looks incredible and that to me is what was the most impressive thing about the arc to be quite honest with you there wasn't really anything in there that i thought was super mind-blowing or super great as far as story-wise it was just a solid story solid story looked incredible which then entails great Star Wars storytelling in my opinion. So, um, but uh, yeah, I'm really excited about the Ahsoka arc and obviously siege of Mandalore. That's going to be, if it looks anything like what we got in the bad batch, woo! we're <laughs> we are in for it, man. So, oh, yeah. Well, and so like I, I said,
1: I, I think it's only going to get better. I mean, if that trailer for the Soka arc was, it was any indication, like the animation just looks like, you know, like they saved the best for last. Um, And you know what? Honestly, like one minor gripe that I kind of had with the Bad Batch arc, as much as it looked amazing, the episodes where they were on Skako Minor, it kind of looked ugly. But I feel like that was in like completely intentional. Like it's it's not supposed to be a beautiful planet. Like this is where the techno union is and they're, you know, the, the bad guys and everything. And so I feel like they executed what they were trying to do. It was just kind of, you know, just like brown and yellow and just not very pleasant to look at. And so even just seeing the trailer for the Ahsoka stuff and seeing a lot more like background aliens on Coruscant and stuff, I'm like, all right, this is going to be great.
0: Yeah, I listen, I I don't want to say I'm talking mess about Clone Wars. I sat down every Friday. I'll sit down tomorrow recording Thursday night um I'm gonna sit down tomorrow and I'm gonna enjoy it And I'm just gonna sit back and go god I love Star Wars so I mean I'm not I don't want to pretend that like I think it was mediocre it was not good some of the best stuff out there as far as Star Wars goes. or as, as far as Star Wars goes I'll take that over anything and it was great it was good solid great storytelling because Star Wars is amazing so I just, it just didn't connect to me as far as like where it made me like jump off the walls.
1: Like, but again, yeah, no, and, and look, series. that's fine. Like, just because you love Clone Wars in its back doesn't mean that the new episodes have to be your absolute new favorite one. Exactly. You know, so, yeah, and exactly. I'm not just saying that for yeah. you, I'm saying for, for anybody out there. Like, and I've heard people have some gripes about, you know, things that they changed from the story reels or things that could have been done better or whatever. And it's sure. like, sure. yeah, it's important to remember just because the show is coming back years later and it's the final episodes and you know they have upgraded visuals and production values and all that kind of stuff it doesn't necessarily mean that every episode is going to be perfect or every episode has to be your new favorite or that you know it has to Mm -hmm. be a complete home run I'm just glad that we have Clone Wars back at all um yeah and like I said I mean these weren't my favorite episodes I I really enjoyed all of them I don't think but you know th- there wasn't an episode in here that would make it into like my top 5 favorite Clone Wars episodes or anything like that. Yeah, um, exactly. But I again like they were all fun. I really enjoyed all of them. Um and yeah, I'm just loving the fact that we've got new Clone Wars. So. Yep, we
2: got to enjoy these uh, next 8 weeks of yeah.
1: new Clone Wars there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Now if none of the episodes from the Siege of Mandalore make it into my top 5 favorite episodes, then I'll be disappointed, but uh, you know. That
2: I would agree with. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm expecting set, them to blow to me set away their with that.
2: expectations so high for that. Eric. Yeah. It's
1: really hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially with You know anybody that's involved in it that you know talks about it online or whatever you know obviously nobody's spoiling anything but I you know I've seen stuff from like Sam Witwer or even like people that work at Lucasfilm that have kind of teased like oh my gosh you guys are not ready for what's coming and so I'm like okay well when I see it you better be right I better not be ready for it because if I am ready for it I'm going to be disappointed. But uh, yeah, you know, all the
2: trust in the world with Dave Filoni. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, did.
1: exactly. Yeah, I I fully Coated up with the story. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, and obviously that's the main reason that they brought the show back in the first place. I mean, the Bad Batch arc and the Ahsoka arc are icing on the cake. Like we never thought we'd get a full twelve episodes, but we I, I think a lot of us held out hope that we might get to finally see that siege, siege of Mandalore. So, uh, yeah, that's gonna be a big one, and I'm sure you know, obviously when that wraps, we're gonna have probably a whole episode just about that arc
2: I would think so yeah (laughs)
1: um but yeah we'll we'll get there when we get there um but yeah for now like I said Bad Batch arc was was a lot of fun um Ahsoka arc starts tomorrow and I'm looking forward to that um but yeah Clone Wars is back life is good um before we wrap up here uh Tim do we have any I know I'm pretty sure we got one email right and then I don't know if we got any uh, comments or anything that you want to read
2: Yeah, I got a couple of comments on Facebook regarding the High Republic that uh, we didn't get to last week when we moved it to this episode, so I'll go ahead and share those. Um, First from James Hewings, he says, I haven't been this hyped for a period since the Bane trilogy. Hope it lives up to it. And then Rich Brockwell says, possibly the most exciting Star Wars news in ages. When the old EU was finished and the new canon was formed, I felt like the storytellers have had one hand tied behind their back because they couldn't make any great stories in case it got in the way of the movies. This is a great uh, playground for all uh, for all to make massive, expansive stories without worrying about the movies, a bit like the New Jedi Order series. So, yeah, kind of glad Rich and James are feeling the excitement that we are for the High Republic and what it can entail and mean for the future of Star Wars in publishing. So for the most part, I think the general buzz for the High Republic, High Republic has been pretty positive, so. Should be fun to experience it all together when it comes, when it gets going and hopefully it lives up to the excitement that we're having for it. But then also we got an email, as you mentioned, Kyle, from Aaron Chavez. Wanted to comment on our last episode regarding Galaxy's Edge. He goes, hey, guys, thanks so much for the Galaxy's Edge discussion. I loved all the info you gave your audience. Other podcasts gloss over a lot about their visits, and that's fine if you don't want spoilers. But after listening to you three talk and give descriptions, I really can't wait to go there and experience it all for myself. Well, thank you, Aaron. Glad you enjoyed it and our descriptions and recapping of our experience got you more excited for Galaxy's Edge and hopefully you will get to experience it soon. I know now is not possible with Disneyland and Disney World closed, but hopefully when things get back to normal, you'll be able to experience it and it lives up to the hype (laughs) that you're having for it because it definitely did for us and they just Can't wait and hope that every Star Wars fan gets to experience and have a great time like we did at Galaxy's Edge because it really is something I think every Star Wars fan should at least experience once because there's really nothing quite like it.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and thank you for that email, Aaron. I love when we get... Uh, messages like that from people because honestly I don't know if you guys feel like this but sometimes when we go really in depth on stuff like especially I was kind of hesitant to like go into spoilers on Rise of the Resistance just because that was so mind-blowing like I kind of didn't want to spoil it for people but also you know when we're going into so much detail about just like the drinks that we had and stuff sometimes you're like Mm -hmm. do people really care about this or are we just talking too much but you know so it's, it's nice to hear that uh, you know, there's other podcasts out there for people that, uh, want a quick five minute summary of something, but, you know, that we have listeners that listen to us and actually enjoy when we go way in depth and, uh, just talk about everything. So, uh, thanks for the email. Thank you for you guys, uh, for your comments as well. Um, and uh, yeah, that's going to do it for now. But of course, if you want to uh, have us read your emails on the show, you can email us at starwarstsc at gmail.com. You can also uh, follow us on Twitter at starwarstsc and on Facebook at slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Uh, you can also check out our website at starwarstsc.com. Uh, and you can check out all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network at thunderquack.com. Um, But, uh, yeah, we'll be back soon with some more stuff Talking about Rise of Skywalker You know, we'll do a commentary and a Blu-ray review And all that kind of stuff uh, Sometime in the next couple weeks um, Until then, you know, hope you guys keep enjoying Clone Wars And uh, all these new Star Wars comics and stuff that are coming out uh, Hope everybody's staying safe and healthy um, And uh, hopefully all this craziness will blow over soon But, uh, you know, wishing you guys all the best Um, But that's going to do it for us for now. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Godspeed,
2: Rebels.